This is Paul McGann, and you're listening to the Five-ish Fangirls Podcast. as we continue all the way to episode 385 of the five-ish fangirls podcast and we are once again hitting the history books this time 1956 welcome everyone to this week's episode of the five-ish fangirls podcast so glad to join us let's start off like we do virtual table and see who's joined us this week this is Brittany and this is chrissy in salt lake city this is Holly from Wisconsin. And this is Rachel in Indianapolis, Indiana. Hello, everyone. Hi, everybody. Hello. We have got quite the smorgasbord. Smorgasbord? <laughs> the Swedish chef from the Muppet Smorgasbord? We all have to chime in with our Swedish chef impersonations. Yep. Yes, we have to. <laughs> <laughs> When Rachel gives us that softball, we have to take a swing. Yep, we absolutely <laughs> do. Yeah, and and lately, Lottie and Alex have been loving the uh, popcorn YouTube video with the Swedish Chef. Oh, uh, nice! Yeah, so if you haven't ever seen that, just Google Swedish Chef. Well, on YouTube, search Swedish Chef popcorn and enjoy the insanity. I've been <laughs> listening to it ad nauseum, and you know it's actually not so bad. <laughs> yeah <laughs> there, there was, could be worse things that yes <laughs> yes i was poor johnson we're in the car the other day and we're having a conversation about life and stuff because you know especially on these these car trips that sometimes mm-hmm. we end up on and you know mm-hmm. sometimes the conversation gets very deep and philosophical in this case it wasn't necessarily deep and philosophical but he was talking about something and he said the word phenomena and i was like dude mm-hmm. he just gave me this look like really like i can't help it you you it is it is like an unwritten rule somewhere when when you you know any anything like that you just have you, you have to chime in with you know phenomena or your Swedish yeah. chef impersonation mm-hmm. exactly it just it, it is it is written somewhere i don't know where but mm-hmm. but somebody wrote it down there, it there's is... an unwritten rule that when that happens you have to respond in mm-hmm. kind <laughs> yep, yep, yep. if you so see is... an opening to make a reference you take it yes exactly. otherwise the spanish inquisition comes and no one expects that you know what nope. speaking of it's only a flesh get... wound <laughs> yeah. see i don't want to get tied to the rack <laughs> all right well we need to do zen news not a whole lot of news but uh disney has announced that we are getting a behind the scenes documentary about the making of obi-wan kenobi it's called Obi Wan Kenobi: A Jedi's Return, and that will be available on Disney Plus starting on September eighth, which is Disney Plus Day, so, which Yay. is and a belated birthday present for me. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> just a little bit. Yep. Start, start frosting that cake. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, 
Well, it just so happens that, you know, Disney Plus Day is the day before D23 Expo starts. So, ah, well, <laughs> coincidence, I think not. No. Not. These things rarely are. Nope. Mm-hmm. Not at all. I think why they made September 8th. I, I, I'm i sure there's a reason, and I probably forgot it, but I'm surprised. Like, why September 8th is Disney Plus Day? I think it's just the day I don't know. Yeah, I would have yeah. thought like sometime like November when we that when cause that I was think it's because it it's the gone. day before D twenty three Expo starts. <laughs> that, that that's sense, really, that's really probably all that it is. But there we go. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I guess you know we we wait for the fire hose. Mm-hmm. I guess to to see what else is coming out. So yep. But uh, always exciting with the behind the scenes stuff. So quite oh there is that and in a i forgot to add it (laughs) i meant to add it to the list but dang it i even went after i saw i went and grabbed the link for the the obi-wan kenobi thing and then i was like Oh yeah, and I needed to grab that other thing and then I got distracted. Um, but shut up and take my money, Doctor Who. Um, we are going back to the first Doctor era. Yes. Mm-hmm. Season two collection. So yes. A nice, nice little trailer for it with Maureen O'Brien back as Vicky. Yes uh-huh talking to her presumably grandma granddaughter yes uh, so and those but, blu-rays are worth the price i yeah i, I mean considering how much like, oh. yeah considering how much of the first and second doctor's stuff is missing right when we can get the stuff that we do have in really good restoration and yep. then the recreations or rebuilds or what you know whatever they've decided to do because it's a smor- again a smorgasbord of <laughs> <laughs> of different types of recreations which i was trying to explain that to chauncey the other day because i guess my dad said something to him about doctor who and he saw it online or something somewhere and he's like oh yeah that cartoon from the 60s and he's like was it a cartoon i was like no there are animated recreations of some of the lost stories where they had the audio but all the visuals were gone chauncey's like oh yeah it's like there's been different companies that have done different animations so there's different styles yeah and everybody's it's not consistent but at least we've got it yeah and like and the the fact that we have the audio (laughs) is kind of remarkable but then again you think oh well that was the way that you could quote unquote record it back in the day mm. and so that's where all that comes from so it's it it is a, it is a fascinating line of inquiry if you ever are wanting to go down that that rabbit yeah. hole we, we we may have to dedicate an episode at some point about the lost doctor yes Who. yes yes mm-hmm what's 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 completely missing what we have some of it what's been recreated what hasn't yes yes that sort of thing 
what has miraculous what was miraculously lost had miraculously been found yeah <laughs> yes looking yes, at a few indeed. of the Troughton episodes mm-hmm. oh my gosh yes that yeah. is quite quite the tale so mm-hmm. yeah so look for that in or go pre-order it whatever it from your favorite retailer and it'll be worth worth the money as as has been said mm-hmm. so anyway speaking of lost media oh my gosh this is <laughs> i will try to keep it brief but it it involves some backstory and i highly highly recommend you go watch the the documentary uh it's a two-part documentary by um the the youtuber the ramona or you know search for tales of the lost um, apparently this is her her thing her shtick is to find lost media but and this is like so esoteric that only I guess the most mm-hmm. diehard fans really know about it. But um, I saw this on Facebook. <laughs> yes, yes. So so okay. So people are at least somewhat familiar with Sailor Moon, the uh, mm-hmm. er example of of magical girl anime came to to North America in the nineties with it with its English dub. Probably watched it on Toonami or other places, and it's you know. It's kind of a big deal. Well, back in the early 90s, before anime was really understood by, by like, North American, um, you know, cartoon uh, studios and things like that, before they, re- before they really had a, you know, before they really knew what it was or what, how to deal with it, there was a company, and it was connected with, with Saban, you know, uh, the company of, mm-hmm. that did the Power Rangers, but it's not actually Saban who did it. And they want, but it was Tune Makers, and they had a relationship with Toei, who's the Japanese um, studio that did Sailor Moon originally. And they wanted not to just bring it over and dub it in English, but to do like a whole Americanized version, a la the way they did Power Rangers back in the day. So the idea was they would take this, take kind of the basic idea of the story americanize it they would do an animated portion that was you know the space battles and the superhero part and all that stuff and and then they would do live action with with the girls and their civilian persona it's kind of kind of an interesting concept well it they, they made um a, a proof of concept video people have been calling it a pilot it's not really a pilot um but it's a proof of concept video and it never got picked up and instead they dubbed it and and the rest is history well someone had like the little two two three minute music video and they showed it at anime expo i want to say late 90s probably even into the 2000s a little bit and somebody recorded it off of a shaky camcorder so you know they're putting it on the screen and someone's recording this and all we ever had proof you know this is the only proof that this was ever a thing was this janky video that someone took at a convention with you know the audience reaction the laughter because it is ultimate 90s cheese and also mm-hmm. and, and obviously you know we've seen the the original anime by now by, by that point and people are like oh my gosh they actually were going to do this what were they thinking and, and it's right. kind <laughs> of just like like a, a very odd piece of media but no one's ever actually seen the pilot in fact that or the the, the concept video um, in fact, the the closest that it ever got to be um, shown in public was at that at that anime expo. 
And then you fast forward to roughly 2014, 2015. And there is a storage unit that the person who had the contract for it defaulted on their on their payments or didn't make their payments. So they start auctioning off all this stuff, that, that whatever's mm-hmm. in there. And it turns out there are animation cells and a copy of the script for this video in holy cow yeah in that storage unit and you know people they sell the thing and and you know Mm -hmm. i had some of the guys personal stuff and and whatever but but you know these sales end up on ebay and they get up on the internet and so we see more of the character designs and it's like holy cow this was actually a thing that somebody was going to do and you know we kind of get it get an idea of the story and how what, what they changed on it so then and then there's a couple of people who are like trying to track down the video and you know, maybe they could find the full, the full concept video and, you know, because we could see the whole thing and it just, you know, never materialized, never materialized. So then now you've got this, this YouTuber, um, her name is Raven Simone and no, not that one. It's a different one. <laughs> um, uh, she just starts emailing people and making phone calls and some of these just don't go anywhere and it shows it in the documentary so I said I would keep this short the documentary is like both both parts are like three and a half hours long so again if you have an afternoon where you're not doing anything and you just want to sit and watch a really in-depth YouTube video go for it um so she is just emailing random people and trying to get in contact with someone sometimes she gets a response most of the time she doesn't and she's just trying to find someone who has a copy of this video and it's rumored to be out there it's rumored that the guy whose storage locker that was has another storage locker that he might have the video in there but people try to talk to him he's kind of cagey and then this 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 raymond raven she actually talks to him in the second part of the documentary and it is so bonkers you need to have the benny hill music playing in the background because he is just all over the place. But anyway, long story short, and, and, well, and she had a really great interview also with um, the two guys. One was the producer of the live action segments. One was the producer on the animated ones. And I can't remember which guy was which. But they just had all kinds of fun stories to tell. She talked with one of the actresses who was in the, the video. Um, anyway, so, but then she finally... Like some someone said, why don't you check the Library of Congress? Of all things, so she does, and she finds out who, and it's like it's there. She just needs to get permission from the copyright holder. Well, again, another journalist had talked to the guy who owns the copyright, but he never remembered this project, so he thought she was talking about something else. But finally, um, Raven like said here these are there here are these these are listed at the library of congress you own the copyright i just want to see the video and i need your permission so the library of congress can release them to me and so she writes up a letter and a contract he signs it and gives her permission and it's in the library of congress which really tickles me to no end because libraries have everything thank you mm-hmm. and so she found the um a high quality version of the music video and about a 10 minute concept video which is basically sort of the pilot so you get to see the girls you get to see the 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 characters the designs kind of what the 
what the backstory was. So it's a little bit like the original, but they take a lot of liberties with it. Instead of having like the thousand year jump between the fall of the moon kingdom and modern day, it all kind of goes on concurrently. Uh, the girls live on, or they escape, they, they're like living on earth at like a girls school, but then they're like, oh no, the, the dark kingdom is attacking Jupiter, you need to go save, save, save the day, and of course, you know, there's, you know, there's um, the, the, the sky sailors, I guess they call them, there's these, they're kind of like boogie boards, they go off into the, into space and fight evil with them. <laughs> it's hilarious, like you could tell that this was going to be very, very much, uh, you know, a lot of merchandise from this not that there isn't from the anime that we got i'm staring at some of my figures here on the shelf anyway <laughs> so long so long story short i'm trying to make this short and i'm just kind of beyond excited that this has been found and i kind of like the ideas that they had in it now it's very much because because in the vi in the interview with the producers they talked about how they had no budget for this and they just needed to put together proof of concept. This is something that would be shopped out to networks or studios. And they would say, yes, we want to do this. And they would front the money and, and produce a whole series. So the animation, while decent, is not that great. Um, the voice acting really needs some help. But the music's kind of catchy. There is some pretty decent CGI for, for the time, especially. And... I'm just like, I want someone to make this. And I know there are some purists out there who are like clutching their pearls and saying, how dare you? But I'm like, look, there are so many people, you know, Sailor Moon's been around for so long. There mm -hmm. are artists and authors and, and just, just creators who have taken inspiration from this story and made something like it and it's their own. And I'm like, I kind of consider this in that same vein. So, I mean, if you had just, you know, okay, we're going to tell this story and it's kind of like Sailor Moon, but we're going to make it our own, maybe call it something different even, it could have worked. I, I, yep. And I don't know how I feel about like the animation and the live action part, because they both have good points and bad points. I'm not sure how I feel about um, m mashing them together, but it's just, I don't know. It's just fun. Like you would, you would you would think, like, like we talk about Doctor Who missing episodes, and you know, somebody, you know, those actually aired at some point, so, you know, people have the audio clips and everything. This was just a, a concept, an idea that never right. officially got made, and, like, it never aired, it was never meant to air, the, like, this particular video. If it had gotten picked up, they would have made, you know, a professional finished product with, you know, several episodes and everything, and it never happened, and we got the dub that we did. Mm -hmm. But it's just fascinating, the whole process. And, you, you know, in this documentary where she where she talks to people and finds out, like, what happened, like, who who did what, what happened when, and how, and who came up with the idea, and just... I don't know it's just it's it's intriguing and it's it you know if you're ever if you're interested in just the animation industry and just how things work maybe not you don't want to necessarily get into it but just like how do my how do these shows get made how do these things happen and it's really fascinating from that point of view and also it's like it's a different version of something that a lot of people love and a lot of people have a soft spot for and again it's just this little funny little thing that happened that 
got put up on the internet from a really crappy handheld camera at Anime Expo from years and years ago. And now we have the whole thing. And it is so insane, basically. I've just been grinning all weekend because I'm like, how in the world do people do this stuff? Like, seriously. (laughs) And it's just, you call, you email, you just whatever leads you have you just do it and the worst anyone could do is just never respond to you and clearly that right. happened to this with this girl but yeah so again watch the two-part documentary it's a lot of fun it is just so cool to see this and it's so funny how she like leaves you in suspense like oh maybe she only found bits and pieces of it or like not the whole thing and like oh this is all they could find because they do they did write back and say there were some things that they just couldn't that were misplaced or misfiled like oh we can't find this but here's what we could find and she's like well you can enjoy this and you sit down and it's the whole thing mm-hmm. so anyway spoilers i guess but um <laughs> Yeah, anyway, so I so you know, if you're a Sailor Moon fan, if you're an anime fan, if you're just a fan of animation and how these things get made, or you know, 90s, and yes, it is pure 90s cheese. Like the it it it's like uh it's like a mix of like Saved by the Bell and She-Ra, the the original, <laughs> not the DreamWorks mm-hmm. one on Netflix. Right. But you know, that was kind of their that was kind of their idea. <laughs> and I'm like, you know, hats off to you guys. Mm-hmm. so anyway that's what i've been really giddy about for yeah. the last couple of days because it is just so random and so cool and gosh it's just what times we are living in y'all mm-hmm. it's always it's always cool when stuff gets found mm-hmm. i mean for as long as we've been doing this you know we're talking about you know d23 expo and of course you know we talk about fandom christmas and stuff mm-hmm. and these studios and stuff will make announcements of like so you know we're doing this thing and then it never actually happens mm-hmm. and all we just kind of have is announcement and maybe a logo yeah but then some stuff actually gets partially into production and then stops and then that stuff Mm-hmm. never sees the light of day and then people find out about it years later and they're like oh yeah. i would like to see it like i know it hasn't been that recent but you know sometime in the last uh, decade or whatever when like the two seconds of footage of nicholas cage dressed as superman for the superman oh, movie oh yeah yeah do, mm-hmm. finally got out into the public and people were like oh my god you know yeah, and it's it's kind of funny because like this is a brand new thing, but it's from the '90s, and people are like, oh, they actually had diversity in the '90s. I'm like, they've had diversity in in TV since the '60s. You fetus! It's like you didn't just invent it five minutes ago. So it's just so funny, and they're just I'm just like, yeah, guys. But, but yeah, this is this was the '90s. This is this is pretty much. I mean, I mean, there's a sliding scale of, of cheesiness, but this one's this one's pretty far up there, and I don't even care because I think it's adorable. And also, they're wearing those 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 ruffly socks in what in the in the dance part. I I had to tweet about it. I was like, I need to talk about these socks because my mom made me socks like this in the '90s, and I wore them, and they were cute. And I think this is amazing because yeah, yeah, the the well, like the girls at one point one of them because they're getting ready to go to a dance and one of them's like should i wear this white 
t-shirt you know should i be should i be classy and white or 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 sophisticated in black and she's wearing she's holding up a white t-shirt with a san francisco giants logo and then a black jersey with an orlando magic logo and i'm like you just brought that from home from your closet didn't you because this thing (laughs) was so low budget so low budget but obviously they would have got a bigger budget if a if a studio had picked it up or a network or however that works so yeah it's just like here this is just our idea it's this is kind of better than just sketching it out on a napkin Mm -hmm. but really this this is not ready for prime time yeah (laughs) still that's funny though yeah because it's like knowing what like the outrageous like storylines that they would manage to figure out to make work with the adaptation for the power rangers it's oh, like yeah. yeah no i can i can totally i can totally see that you know yep yep <laughs> yeah and, and it seems like going like because she's going through the records at the library of congress and and what this company had under copyright like apparently there were ideas for this sort of thing with other anime like she, she mentioned dragon ball z is is in there as well to do something similar and obviously that never materialized but it's just like you know, it's kind of a thought of, you know, what what could have happened instead if these things had been successful? Like, would we have anime in North America in it for an international audience as we know it today if, you know, they had just kind of done this, hey, we'll take the story, but do our own thing. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you know, you know, you want to talk about multiple universes or multiverses somewhere. <laughs> there's a there's a multiverse where this thing got made and and the anime version just did not become the big phenomenon that that it is Mm -hmm. so it's just you know it's fascinating to think about like i said Mm -hmm. and i i get the feeling that somebody is going to take this you know the 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 ideas from the story which i actually kind of like because the original never really got into the stuff with the moon kingdom before it fell which i think is a really great it's a there's a wealth of stories you could tell there they just never did it and I'm like, I bet you someone's going to do something with that. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, they will, they'll, they'll file the serial numbers off and do their own thing. I mean, Jared kind of did, uh, well, he did a Sailor Moon homage, I suppose, with, with Keepers of the Wind with his book, which I really want that one to sell better. So he'll write another one, but uh, <laughs> it is so good. It and is I'm very not, good. Yes. And I'm not just saying that because I know I can it. attest. I have read it. It is very good. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, I wish more people, I, I know, I know if they were like Sailor Moon fans or something, if they found it, like, I think they'd love it. So mm. anyway, but, but yeah, there are other, there are people that they'll do something with it if just in their own way. Mm-hmm. But anyway, but yeah, go check out that documentary. Like I said, it's, it's two parts. It is very long, but it, you can watch it in, in chunks if you need to, or if you like have an afternoon where you have nothing to do, lucky you. Uh, <laughs> you can just sit and watch it and just kind of enjoy the madness mm-hmm. well, that's cool though so neato we'll have links for that in the show notes yes and there is also a video where she just takes the because the episode is part of the documentary but there is a video where it's just the episode so if you don't want to fast forward through the uh through the whole documentary just to watch the the little video then you can mm-hmm. do that as well but get straight to the goods get to the goods and yep. 
be kind. Yeah. <laughs> I know there are people who are just like, oh my gosh, what did you do? And it's like, oh, get over it. Yeah. It never got yeah. made, so you're fine. Yeah. Oh. All right. So moving on, hopefully, if you are on the social medias, they're on our Instagram and Twitter or Facebook, you saw that I went on a little adventure over the weekend. He did. Yeah. So I went to, it's technically a suburb of Chicago, just west of Chicago proper called Oak Brook, but it's Chicago. Uh, <laughs> uh, with uh, Chauncey on Saturday to check out the Stranger Things pop-up shop, uh, which now, as we're recording this, unfortunately, it's not closed because this was the last weekend for it. Uh, but um, so there is a full-on Stranger Things interactive experience Experience that I found found out about from previous guest of the show, Jacob the Carpetbagger, on his YouTube channel. Uh, when he was in San Francisco earlier this year, he and his girlfriend went, and it's a full-on experience. Like you go to the Hawkins lab and do experiments nice. and all these things, and there is an actual scoops ahoy where you can get ice cream and all of the things um and i don't know if that's still open in, in san francisco or not but um it was very limited on the it was like san francisco new york and like london or paris or something like that um i know there was so, one in new york yeah so you could go to the i'll have links for both and uh both websites in the show notes obviously but you can go to the stranger things experience website and like so that's what I did to see if it happened to, you know, if it was going to be anywhere else in the future that was relatively near me. Um, and at the moment, that's not the case. But they're like, hey, you can vote for a city from this list. And I'm like, well, Chicago, that's close enough. So I was yep. like, I will vote for yep. Chicago. And they're like, mm -hmm. you know, if we get there's enough demand, we might end up at one of these cities that people vote for. So I went and voted for Chicago. And of course, you know, to do anything, you got to give your email address. I'm like, fine, whatever. Uh, so I gave my email address so I could vote. Uh, and I got an email saying, thank you for voting. We'll let you know if it ends up in the city of your choice. Like, great, fabulous. And then, I don't know, a few days after, a week after, not too long after, I get an email saying, hey, in Chicago, there's a Stranger Things pop-up store that you can go to and i'm like okay where how when is it open and they were mm -hmm. like it's like you know it's open from this date to this past weekend uh you know august 21st which would have been yesterday was the last day of it and i'm like great so i'm looking at the calendar and looking at all the crap that we've got scheduled and i'm like well we can go the final weekend. <laughs> Chauncey's like, perfect. That'll give me time to try to catch up. He has, yeah, uh -huh. that's okay. Mm. Uh, uh, so we went anyway, um, and it's 
is very cool. I mean, they've got a recreation of Joyce's living room with the alphabet and the Christmas lights and old 80s decor, you know, old school TV and video game systems and radios. And there's like D&D stuff all over the place and nice. records and eight track tapes and all sorts of stuff and of course uh you know with there there's theming but of course it's also it's a pop-up shop it's first you know first and main purpose is to sell crap to the people uh so mm-hmm. you're like you know trying to get a photo on joyce's couch with the, the the christmas lights and the alphabet behind you meanwhile there's somebody to one side of you looking through like a rack of t-shirts uh they're playing like 80s music over the 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 sound system and stuff um but uh and then they've got um uh some of the the lockers from uh hawkins middle school and you can open it up and like 11s is there and it's full of ego boxes (laughs) and like dustin's got the rats in it you know uh so there's uh so there's bits and pieces of theming and then because that part of the like russians lab you know um and then there's there's a demogorgon coming out of the wall in one spot uh they've got kids bike set up uh which i think was the image for what season three i think i think so kids on the bikes so. with the 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 like mind flare in the background mm-hmm. in the clouds I think so yeah yeah um so there's two? a lot of like there's a lot of like details that you know if you've watched it you'll get it if you've not or not completely up you're not necessarily gonna get spoiled unlike the full interactive experience where you would get spoiled on stuff um so but yeah we spent like 45 minutes in there just looking at all the little details and taking pictures and video and and the like and of course looking through the the racks of shirts and other stuff that you could buy unfortunately with it being the last weekend there was a lot of stuff that was sold out because mm-hmm. there was a lot there you know, mannequins with like shirts and stuff on them that were obviously not anywhere for sale because <laughs> they were completely yep. sold out um they couldn't sell what was on on they can't sell what's on the mannequin because they need that mannequin forever the store goes next uh oh that sucks (laughs) yeah um do you have a website where i can purchase that shirt then please (laughs) some of them yes some of them are exclusive to the shop so you can only get them at the shop and the shirts that i bought are only Uh exclusive to the shop Hmm. so i bought two t-shirts um which i still need to take pictures of I'm, i was wearing one of them yesterday so it was kind of hard to take pictures uh, <laughs> but i bought two t-shirts and you know of course they're kind of pricey for you know geeky t-shirts comparably to like what you would pay like hot topic or something but one they're exclusive you can't buy them anywhere else unless you right. find somebody that went to them and is now putting them on like ebay or something um and two like the t-shirts are really nice first of all that that super soft oh nice you know material that you just kind of want to like rub your entire body with because it just Mm -hmm. feels so good um and like the designs i got one of them is for for uh, starcourt mall (laughs) (laughs) of course Um, and then the other one is for the arcade um 
and the they've got like the little logo on the front on the chest and on the back it's like a you know full back logo type thing um but these logos are they're not just like screen printed they're like textured oh nice. yeah they're really 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 nice <laughs> so so money very well spent yes definitely money very well spent there were a few other things that we would have liked to have bought but they were sold out and all we saw was the display and we went online later and they're not exclusive so we'll be able to to buy them online um, cool. so but yeah it was it was really really cool um and like i said i'll have links to both the website for the full interactive experience and the store so you can you know sign up for the newsletter so you get emails when they drop in another city somewhere but at the moment sorry about your luck (laughs) (laughs) about getting to them but hopefully there's enough demand that they will continue to both pop up at uh, i know with the full interactive experience they do have the shop they do have a lot of the merchandise that's available for as well but it's like there's no scoops ahoy to get actual ice cream at the shop you have to do the full interactive experience for that so (laughs) with any luck the the full experience will come somewhere near me at some point and we would totally go you living in indiana it would that would be like first choice considering mm-hmm. we're supposed to be the crossroads of america you would think but no. and the fact that it takes place in indiana that too yeah <laughs> you would think indianapolis would be like their first choice like no let's stranger things let's go to london i mean no offense to our over the cross the pond fellow geeks but it is set in indiana <laughs> That is that is right, true. Exactly. <laughs> that is true. It's like, guys, you're you're missing you're missing the obvious here. Right. But okay, whatever. Yeah. So but that was fun. Like I said, you can go check out the pictures um on our Facebook page because I wasn't going to post are... all of the pictures on Instagram, so you have to go to Facebook to see it, and then I will eventually edit. I'll get the video put together into something, and we'll go on our our YouTube channel. So yes, the video the, or the the pictures are very cool. I'm just sitting there going mm-hmm. like, I am insanely jealous, but I will live vicariously through you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So there is that um and of course uh in the feeds we have a new episode of gold standard the oscars podcast where we talk about amadeus and um, i don't know about the rest of i don't know about the zan and and nick but falco is still living rent free in my brain uh, <laughs> <laughs> almost a week later <laughs> Uh, but we did have a nice a nice discussion about Amadeus with returning guest Sean from Traveling the Vortex. So Sean is quickly getting his punch card, his gold standard <laughs> visitor punch mm-hmm. card filled. Um, so but fifth, that was a fifth stop is free. 
yeah <laughs> mm-hmm. but that was a fun fun uh, episode and i got to talk about michael sheen twice in one week so oh, well, hey can't complain i got to bring can't him complain. up talking about tron i got to bring him up again talking about this so you know it's a win-win. rachel rachel is a very happy lady <laughs> i am yes, yes. <laughs> so there is that so all right moving on to feedback and some feedback from shalane uh, she was surprised to hear us talk about tron uh we like to keep you on your toes uh, yes <laughs> uh, and then she brings up something i forgot to mention but one of uh one of the uh, forget what their title was producer or whatever on tron legacy is also one of the creators of once upon time Oh, cool. keeping it in the Disney family. Yes. Yeah. So, and then Shalane, being Shalane, <laughs> has given us a list of suggestions <laughs> of things we should talk about, <laughs> both of live action Disney films we should discuss. And um, uh, she really wants us to do films based on disney attractions she really really wants us to do that is a topic <laughs> okay we'll put she it keeps up. breaking it up i'm gonna have to move it higher up on the list it's on the list we'll bump it up a few places how's that <laughs> oh boy that, that mean, would, but that makes i would have to watch a certain movie that i've been like avoiding for years so i, I don't know how i feel about this country bears or what, the country bears <laughs> the country bears <laughs> No, I actually saw that one in theaters. I'm I'm pretty sure. Okay, if I okay, I I remember why. Because my mom went to went went to Disneyland when she was in college and loved it. And she had a poster. She bought a poster of Big Al, of um, from the Country Bears. It was hanging up in our in her basement. This was before she met my dad. My dad's nickname in high school was Big Al. And and we you know we had that poster up there when I was a kid and I'd ask my mom, Mom, did you get that poster for dad? And she goes, No, it's mine. I got it before I met your father. <laughs> and it's from the Country Bears in in Disneyland. And I'm like, Oh, okay. So when they had the movie, we were like, Oh, we want to go see that because it's the thing with the poster. <laughs> I don't know where that poster ended up. It's probably like just long gone somewhere. Too many moves and too many whatever. But that's why we went and saw it. <laughs> Me, um, that's I, funny. I remember the, when it, the year it came out. Mm-hmm. Um, I was I was up in Maine, and like it was me and like a bunch of my cousins, and we were separated. The young cousins would see um, country videos, and in my my cousin Travis and I, who are about the same age, um, um, my grandparents and his his parents took a seat off the palace called Memble. Or the other kids would see country bears. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I don't even think I would need to see the Country Bears movie to know that it compared to the attraction it's based on. Not even close. No, it, it's really not. It's 
it was one of those it's like here we're, we're we're in our we're in a phase like disney goes in phases and this phase is the the you know based on on rides phase and here's the country bears movie just because this is what we're doing and i don't remember mm-hmm. a dang thing about it other than it's basically if you've seen the muppets from you know the one with walter and uh mm-hmm. um crap what's his name amy adams is in it anyway mm-hmm. it's basically the plot of that that's that's the plot of the country bears <laughs> so there you go yeah so uh let's just say we'll move we'll move it up the list but uh yeah don't necessarily hold your breath on that one either <laughs> yeah we'll we'll get there it's just life and things just kind of keep we're not all in a hurry to watch the country bears movie no. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, haunted mansion at least has eddie murphy in it so it's a little yes. better but not by much yeah i mean i'll watch i'll watch pirates of the caribbean all day every day if if you know you ask me mm-hmm. really nicely yeah mm-hmm. i mean you don't even have to ask me nicely it's just it's just there yeah i don't have any time to put on the, the first part of the movie just for background noise and end up getting distracted and I'm watching the movie instead of what I was supposed to do with it as background. <laughs> hmm Yep. So, well, thank you, Shalane, for your feedback and your suggestions. We'll add them to the list. <laughs> and then we have feedback from a new listener. Welcome, welcome. Welcome. Aaron. So Aaron writes, hello, my five-ish hosts. I'm a new listener having listened for a little over a month now. I've listened to Gold Standard for a while and I finally made my way on over from there. I really just wanted to express how much I've enjoyed listening. Usually I will go back and listen to podcasts starting from episode one and play catch up, but jumping back 300 episodes seems like a lot. <laughs> yeah. Considering this is number don't 385, we don't yeah. blame you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and to the brave soul who wants to undertake that, I tip my hat to you, but it is not necessary. Yes. It's not. Right. Yes, exactly. Although, although the, I news, un- yeah. the news segment may be not necessarily evergreen, but a lot of our main topics are. So you really can jump around to topics yes. that actually interest you. Yes. Yeah, that, yes. That, is, that is very true. Although I do understand I've gotten into podcasts before. I'm like, oh, I want to go back and have a back, a back catalog to listen to. So there you go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's all good. Yeah. Uh, so he says, so I compromised by sifting through the last several months and listened to episodes that stuck out to me, as it should be done. <laughs> That's my opinion. Uh, now, as much as I'd love to go through episode by episode and make some comments on how I feel about each subject, I doubt any of you would enjoy a 12 play, twelve page block of text, which is something I've been known to do. <laughs> so there's just a few things I thought I might share my opinion on. First off, I think what did stick out to me was the newest Fantastic Beasts episode. I really appreciated the brief discussion about, in essence, separating art from the artist when it comes to Rowling. I'm not a big fan of her stance on things, but I like to enjoy the world she's created and the idea of paying her for tickets for something I enjoy is my own business. 
Additionally, I don't think it's fair to the hundreds of people in the cast and crew to be punished for one person's comments. On a brighter note, I love Mickelson's performance. To me, his Grindelwald is spot on to what I always pictured the character to be, whereas Depp's look was something I just can't see being what was described in the seventh book, which is a shame because I don't think Depp was a bad choice, just horrible execution. The Obi-Wan Kenobi episode made me laugh pretty hard. <laughs> I don't even know what we said that was so funny, but you're welcome. Uh, <laughs> I enjoyed the series of the story it told. And then listening to your episode of the questions brought up regarding continuity, I was left thinking, please stop ruining this for me. Everything said made a lot of sense, but dang it, once the cracks are pointed out, they are hard to unsee. Oh, well. <laughs> we, well, you know, we live to please. Uh, <laughs> Something mm-hmm. like that. Yeah. yeah. We just try to want you to think. That's all. The most recent episode I really enjoyed because years ago when I first heard about Tron, it just sounded like a silly cash grab where the studio thought to themselves, well, video games are a thing. So let's make a movie that looks like a video game and hope people are easily fooled. Then I watched it shortly before Tron Legacy came out and I was surprised by how much I liked it. I haven't seen it recently, but the episode has given me the urge to revisit it again. That's our main goal. Plus, it inspired me, inspired one of my favorite South Park episodes. You have me at zero friends, poking fun at the importance, quote, of having as many Facebook friends as possible where Facebook is presented as a world of trauma. Oh, no. Yeah. Oh, do you? All right. Now for some Doctor Who related thoughts, since I believe this is a specialty of this podcast. Gee, where did ever did you get that impression? Well, you know, it, it's, it comes up from time to time. Yeah. Just, just once yeah. or twice. Yeah. I look forward to your coverage of the new Doctor Who special as well as the next series with our new Doctor. I'm a casual fan of the show. I actually thought it sounded a little too silly when someone first described it to me. But then a friend sat me down and made me watch an episode to prove to me to prove to me that she knew I'd like it. My first episode, Blink. I love the episode yep. and it remains one of my favorites to this day. Shortly after I watched all of Eccleston and Tennant's episodes and really liked the show. Eccleston was good. I just wish he would have lasted longer. I feel like no, the show was all. yeah. I feel yep. like the show I was trying to get its footing. And by the end of the season, they were up and running just for him to depart. That's not to say I think it's a weak season by enemies. Thankfully, he's back in big finish. Yes. Tenet will always be my doctor choice. He was so much fun in the role and he got my favorite season, season three. For me, this was all sorts of greatness mashed into a single season. Martha's a terrific companion and all and the way Martha Freya Freema Eijeman plays off Tenet is spectacular, especially since I've never really been a fan of Rose. Blasphemy, I know. Hey, and then we have know, the, we love Martha. Yeah. Yeah. And then we have the final six episodes, Human Nature through Last of the Time Lords. Six episodes of pure bliss, and in my opinion, the longest stretch of great episodes back to back of any TV show I've ever watched. Smith took me a while to watch because the same friend who introduced me to the show assured me that Smith was so terrible in the role that the show was ruined. Say Blasphemy. that we get a new doctor. Blasphemy. Ooh, I mean, it's pretty, yeah. Yeah. it happens with every new words. doctor so it's, it's, yeah. Yeah. yeah we're just we're like a duck just have it roll off our back when he eventually retired the role i decided to give it a shot and wow she couldn't have been more wrong he's definitely not <laughs> yes. tenant but smith brought a different energy that is great in his yes. own way he's you also... can't go wrong with a drunken giraffe come on exactly yeah. he's also got a lot of great stories and when the day of the doctor teamed him up with tenant i had so much fun that's 
absolute mm-hmm. favorite episode of New Who. Oh, yes. Capaldi, yes. I like simply because he was an older, crotchety doctor who was more no nonsense. <laughs> That's why I like him too. He's very much like yes. six. <laughs> yes. Most importantly, I like him. Shush Drax. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Most importantly, I liked him because we finally got a doctor in which he wasn't constantly being fawned after by all his companions. True. True. Yes. Capaldi is is a good looking dude. Uh, Let the doctor do doctor stuff without everyone complaining about him, her not loving them. Whitaker, sadly, as much as I like Whitaker, both on and off Doctor Who, I just don't think she got good enough stories. Agreed. Uh huh. Yep. Yes, I was one of those people who were on the fence when the rumors of a female doctor started making the rounds. And when I heard Whitaker was taking the role, I remember thinking, never mind, I was wrong. They know what they're doing. Unfortunately, I find her tenure to be a missed opportunity, which saddens me because I like her take, just not a lot of the material she was given. Mm-hmm. Very true. Yeah. Very, very true. Yeah. Sudi Gatwa, I will be interested in seeing take over. I know nothing about him as an actor, and I plan to keep it that way until his debut, so I'm looking forward to not only seeing his take, but him in general. When it comes to classic Doctor Who, I don't have a lot of experience. Several times I've signed up for BritBox in order to watch, but it always seems like the day after I sign up, my work schedule kicks into overdrive, and I never get to watch more than one or two episodes before I cancel it. There are other options. If you don't care about not having control over yes, what exactly you watch, yes, mm-hmm. yes, try Pluto TV. Um, you have a so, dedicated Doctor yes. Who channel. Exactly, That's you don't have control over what's on, but at least you can watch it. You can you can try some. Yes. Also, do not underestimate the power of your local library. They mm-hmm. that still, too. Yes, they, they were well. I don't want to say all of them, but a lot of them were available on DVD, and your library could have them. So. Mm-hmm. Or I with some of the Blu-rays coming back out, the libraries may decide to invest in Blu-ray copies, yes. which you could probably check out. Yes, I, I will say that my library, they are starting to to in, incorporate Blu-rays into their collection after after not doing it for so long because of budget and whatever. But anyway, that's mm-hmm. another story. Mm-hmm. But it does happen. So that's my, my long story short. Check out your library. Mm-hmm. It's free. Yep. Uh, so it continues so i've seen an unearthly child but in pieces so i don't remember much however when amazon did prime day this year most of the blu-ray sets were half off and then coincidentally yesterday all the sets went half off so between the two days i bought the lot (laughs) (laughs) nice nice So far, I've watched Terror of the Autons. I was a little excited that my first true foray into the classics was the first appearance of the Master. I have loved the Master and Missy, so I thought it was a bit of a treat. Out of curiosity, any opinion on Hartnell's second season being the next series to get a box that's release? Looking forward to seeing more of the first Doctor. I think we already covered that in the news. Yes. Finishes up while I managed to avoid my 12-page essay, but still rambled a bit. Thanks for reading and keep up the great work. Take care, Erin. Ah, well, thank you for listening and for sending in feedback. That was great yeah, to hear you. from you. Mm-hmm. So, and, and please we'll ramble as much as you want. Yes. Please. That's exactly. our specialty around here. Yes, it is. Yeah. If you haven't figured that out by now. Yeah. <laughs> and like we've rambled already and we haven't even got to our main topic yet. That's what, that's yes. what I say. <laughs> I mean, I've just been giddy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
but yes, we really appreciate the uh, the feedback, Aaron, and for the listening. And yeah, don't feel bad if you can't go and listen to everything we release. That's not the point. Because right, unlike something like Traveling the Vortex, since you're a Doctor Who fan, if you'll go listen to them, where I did binge all of theirs, but a lot of their stuff was while Doctor Who was on. So it was chronological as far as like episodes went. So mm-hmm. I wanted to be able to hear them. You know, like it was really hilarious because I came in after I started watching Doctor Who as Amy and Roy were leaving. So I was listening to Traveling the Vortex and they started with Smith's Doctor. It was really fun to listen to them like speculate who they thought River Song was. And you know, I was like, hey, you guys are gonna find out. (laughs) So (laughs) yes. But that's a little different when it's some of the content is meant to be in some sort of chronology. Our stuff, not so much. So and we we have like such a wider range of topics that we talk about stuff you might yep. even be interesting so i wouldn't suggest listening to them if you, if you don't like it like why like i don't want to say waste your time but waste your time with something you don't like mm-hmm. so i exactly so but awesome always awesome to hear from our listeners so and you yeah. can always send us feedback email us any length of email that you would like uh, yeah I and think we will we will absolutely read it yep mm-hmm. yeah all right oh moving on to this week's main topic which just this specific kind of overarching umbrella you have to bounce around to listen to them in in chronological order but i guess there is a <laughs> chronology in a way uh so we're going back to our history lesson courtesy of mr billy joel it has been a while since we put on our history caps history lesson caps the last time we did it was 1955 and that was the fun year yes mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> yes yeah uh, this is uh, History is it's 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 fun yet frustrating all at the same time. So yeah. once again, our yeah. usual disclaimer for it, we do this is we are going to touch upon politics because yeah. that's just a history of the world. Mm-hmm. It, it happens both American and foreign politics, among other things. So there may be you know we try to avoid putting our own political opinions in things so we're just going to try to re- represent the facts as best as we as know we them can. and uh, just remember yes. you know uh life is messy so history must also be quite messy as well so exactly and if yes. your life isn't messy please please get in touch with me because i want to know your secrets yeah same, right? <laughs> same. <laughs> How do you avoid the messy? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And for whatever reason, 1956 was an especially messy year. I guess yeah. ni- 1955, like we had Disneyland and 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 the, the Brooklyn Dodgers and all that stuff. So thus we have to have some crap to to say, hey, you had a fun mm-hmm. year. Well, now you get to pay for it. 
yeah, yeah. We're, we're essentially getting fallout from stuff that has happened in the years previously. you rolled too many 20s so now it's time to roll a few ones yeah indeed <laughs> indeed <laughs> yeah so uh our first topic is bridget bardot, bardot. who was is really um because she's still alive uh um she uh but she's not an act she doesn't act anymore so she was an actress now she's a uh works in in activism and other things but we'll get to that so um but she's a, a french uh, actress, singer, and model, uh, born Brigitte Anne Marie Bardot, um, in 1934, um, in born and raised in Paris, um, and um, something that maybe people don't know about her as as a child, she suffered from and hopefully don't butcher this too bad amblyopia which is the fancy Hmm. word for lazy eye the medical term for lazy eye so she had uh the vision in her left eye became affected because of that obviously that did not let her let let that stop her from having a successful career though so um she um uh, her parents were, she has one younger sister, so, you know, it's small-ish family. Um, her parents were both very um, successful in their own right. Um, her father was an engineer and uh, owned several factories in Paris. Her mother worked in uh, insurance and um so she lived in a seven bedroom apartment in the wow 16th district in paris <laughs> her and her younger sister and her parents um <laughs> uh, and apparently her parents were really really strict uh when it came to raising their children very strict uh, as far as behavior is concerned, having very, you know, table manners, wearing appropriate clothing. Uh, her mother was very picky about her friend, about who she considered good friends for her daughters. So she didn't have a lot of friends. Um, she talks about a time when she and her sister were playing and they broke apparently their parents' favorite vase. And uh their father laid into them and uh apparently treated them in her words like strangers uh demanding her and her sister to address them by the the pronoun uh vu um which is a a very formal it's a very Mm -hmm plural second person so you're like mm-hmm. when you say i love you or you go so you're like je vous adore i love you or vous allez you go um mm-hmm. 
as opposed to you know calling her parents you know mother and father or <laughs> something like you know <laughs> uh so uh if you know anything about uh her her career um you can you can uh kind of um see how that childhood led to the more rebellious side of her that came out when she became a a, a celebrity <laughs> so um so uh, she was living in paris when it was occupied by the nazis through world war ii so she spent a lot of time indoors um so she spent her time listening to records and became interested in dancing um so when she was old enough she uh started going to a private school so she could go to school three days a week and then take dance lessons the rest of the time um she was trying to become a ballerina um but uh, that that career did not necessarily take off um and then by the time she was um 14 15 she had been discovered yeah been discovered and was doing modeling work um and actually at the age of 15 in 1950 she appeared on the cover of l magazine um which is still a very popular magazine today so that's good. at 15 that's a big deal to get a cover Right. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and um, from that, she started getting acting offers. Of course, her parents, being the parents that they were, did not want her to become an actress. But um, her grandfather was actually very supportive. Um, and <laughs> apparently, he he told her parents, and I'm quoting this, so language warning. Uh -huh. If this little girl is to become a whore, cinema will not be the cause. <laughs> wow. Backhanded compliment? Yeah. In a way, maybe, sort of, kind of. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Gramps was not happy with... Uh... Certain, no. certain characters. Yeah, he was like... Yeah, was like, I think he was... I think he was trying to be supportive and also dig into her parents at the same time. So well, he know. could have gone about it a little different way. Oh, French. Uh true. Yeah. <laughs> I love you, French people. Uh I love mm -hmm. your cheese. Uh yeah. so, um, she so she started going to auditions. Um, she met um a uh screenwriter slash film director producer by the name of roger um who uh apparently she and he fell in love um and her parents of course fiercely opposed it um and do, do her parents like anything she does i don't I'm just think i'm so. just asking so. <laughs> yeah yeah they sound like her... cave people yeah against it... absolutely virtually everything yeah so um i'm not sure exactly what year this was <laughs> so um 
but uh her parent her father told her that she was going to go to england continue her education he had already bought her a train ticket and was lit and told her essentially you're leaving tomorrow bummer she reacted by putting her head into an oven with it lit <laughs> oh my uh okay so that's that her like about 20 off. or so years earlier or however many years from somebody saved my life tonight yeah really uh mm. so her her parents backed off and compromised that uh she needs to continue her education and if she still wants to marry this guy when she turns 18 she can so compromise <clears throat> it's a thing yeah <laughs> um so she appeared on the cover of Elle again in 1952 um so at that point she was 18 um and then she got another movie offer um and it was a real small part she was playing the cousin of uh, one of the main characters um so she kept getting little bit parts in mostly french movies um she did get a small role in active love which was an actual hollywood film being shot in paris kirk douglas appears in that um and she got to attend Cannes um that year in uh 1953 um and then she went on to do some italian films some more french films um and then she got her first decently sized english language role in 1955 um and then um in 1956 she got a role in the italian movie i'm sorry nick uh <laughs> i'm gonna try mio figlio nerone um and they wanted her to be a blonde uh but instead of wearing a wig because she was naturally brunette she decided to dye her hair she liked it so much she stayed a blonde for for now until now so <laughs> <laughs> um um then in 1956 she went and starred in the four movies that really most people consider her the movies that made her the 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 star um that she is now known the musical naughty girl um um it was the 10th most popular film of the year in france um then she did a comedy called plucking the daisy um and uh another comedy the bride is much too beautiful and then there's the melodrama and god created woman um which was rogers actually debut as a director um and um she uh the film is about a immoral teenager in a respectable small town setting because that's not cliche at all uh <laughs> but it became very successful not just in france but internationally um so it, that's when she became more internationally famous um and she got the label as being a quote-unquote sex kitten how is your english miss Bido? uh fine you have been studying it no no, I've forgotten everything now. 
Where did you learn to speak English? In London. Uh, a good place. <laughs> yes. You know, you are a, a um, something most unusual. In America, although you do your pictures in French, you are one of America's most popular actresses. Why? Do you have any idea why? I don't know. <laughs> do, you, have you ever, do you ever think about it? No. I'm very surprised and very happy. You've never been to America? No, never, but I hope to go very soon. Do you expect to work there? Maybe, Can when I will be free in Europe. Mm -hmm. <laughs> what are you working on now? Now? Yes. I'm not working. Now I'm, uh, I spend some holidays. Um. So she would continue to go and have a fairly successful acting career uh, doing different uh, types of movies, dramas, uh, comedies, that sort of thing. Um, and um, she, uh, but by the time she reached, um, the 19 early 1970s um she decided she was going to retire from acting um so in her in her words as quote a way to get out elegantly <laughs> hey you know when you've had enough you've had enough mhm mm yeah so uh she she had a you know a fairly successful acting career her love life not so much um she was she's she's admitted that um she lives for you know the the passion the relationship and the minute the relationship the passion seems to be gone she's off uh so she was married four times um but has had a lot of relationships especially during her her career as an actress she was known to be a philanderer um uh, cheating on whoever she's with at the time with someone else um so um yeah she's <laughs> Again, it may be you know, kind of that uh, that rebellious streak in her that you know she's she's looking she's looking for for something, and mm -hmm. just never quite never could quite True. find it. I guess. Yeah. Or that uh, comment from her grandfather just kind of stuck, and she interpreted it one way and ran with it. Yeah. Yeah. She. <laughs> yeah. She said that the one, <laughs> the one person that she never um had a fling with even though apparently he tried was sean connery oh wow, wow. <laughs> she she shut down james bond Wowza. Yep. <laughs> yep make of that what you will well yeah yeah so uh so yeah she she gave she gave up acting in 1973 um and uh she now spends all of her time as a animal rights activist 
So cool. in 86, she established the Bridget Bardot Foundation for the Welfare and Protection of Animals. Um, and she raised 3 million francs to fund the foundation by auctioning off some of her jewelry and personal belongings. Um, so she's done work all over the world um, for all sorts of animals, you know, donkeys, bears, tigers, rhinos, stray dogs, cats, you know, birds, uh, you know, parrots. So um, in, you know, the U.S. and other countries, you know, China, Denmark, Canada, you know, you name it. She just, she spends her time going all over the world, putting her name and influence behind trying to help animals that cannot help themselves uh so um she's been doing that since then um i will say uh her fourth husband they're still together they they were married they got married in 1992 so good for her uh mm -hmm. <laughs> making it stick for 30 years uh yeah, it's 30 years, isn't it? Yeah. Yep. Yep. So, but for that that time there in the 50s, especially 56, the year we're talking about, um, that was at the height of her becoming a, you know, uh an icon that has flowed into even now. Um, uh, things like uh, you know, if you're familiar with especially women's fashion, the Bardo neckline, which is a very wide open neck that exposes both shoulders, so that you know, like the top seam of your of your shirt, you know, normally mm -hmm. the bit that would go around your neck instead goes across the, mm -hmm. the bust line so that you know both your shoulders are exposed, maybe show a little cleavage. Mm -hmm. That's that's mm -hmm. your thing. That was named after her um you know she was uh she did uh you know modeling and the like uh she she supposedly has been the muse for fashion houses like dior and Balmain and cardon um you know she helped make the bikini popular um in the 50s uh so although in france it wasn't really considered risque here in the United States, that was another thing. Uh <laughs> oh, France. Yeah. Was it the bikini invented in France? I think I remember learning that. I, I could be wrong. I don't okay. know. I don't know. Really that about that. I don't know. Uh you know, Andy Warhol painted her at one point, so um you know people like john lennon and paul mccartney loved her <laughs> <laughs> apparently at one point they were going to try to, to uh make a film similar to hard days night but it was kind of the beatles and bardo but they never you know it never happened again talking about things that may you know could have happened mm -hmm. so what could have been mm -hmm. yeah I looked it up. Uh, apparently, I was right. Uh, French designer Louis Riard uh, 
unveils a daring two-piece swimsuit at a popular swimming pool in Paris. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so um, you can, uh, you know, her uh, her films, as a lot of them were foreign, you know, compared to us here in the United States. I don't know as far as accesses being able to find those, but, um, you know, well, check the internet, little, check yeah. your local library, you never know. <laughs> might be easier than it was uh probably even 10 years ago so yes check it out i know uh, again i know our, our library has a lot of international films that uh i mean the the section in the library does not look big but then you look at just the like the collection um uh, you know the number in the in the collection itself it's like oh wow we actually have quite a few so mm -hmm. <laughs> so you know it's always worth looking mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and if your library doesn't have it they might be able to get it from a library that does this is true interlibrary yep. loan is a thing mm -hmm. or maybe they have a digital copy of it mm -hmm. yes uh yeah we used to we used Hoopla to have a, is your friend yes. maybe we, yeah. <laughs> hopefully your library has hoopla we did then they got rid of it because apparently you have to pay every time someone checks it out and it was very popular and it was too expensive but apparently we're getting oh, it again wow. so mm -hmm. it was anyway i won't go down that rabbit hole but there 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 are other services so just just ask there you and go and god created woman because considered one of her best best uh performances available on hbo max if you subscribe to that or the roku channel if you don't mind ads so there you go all right moving on to budapest or as natasha romanoff likes to say budapest, budapest. Uh, <laughs> I think she and hawkeye may remember budapest very differently but uh I'm pretty sure yep. that the people of Hungary remember this quite well. The Hungarian Revolution of 1956, which mostly took place in Budapest. So, wasn't a very long revolution. <laughs> the main phase went from the 23rd of October to the 4th of November in 1956. So not very long it was it wasn't very long and unfortunately the soviets won uh uh but um so this is actually going to overlap a little bit with something else we're going to talk about in a couple topics from now uh but obviously billy joel wrote put stuff in in a way that would make sense musically mm -hmm. so yeah because so it's going to seem like we're jumping around like you already you were just talking about this connection to this but it's like i we're just doing it in the order billy joel wrote the lyrics so it is what it is yeah so obviously we've talked about him i don't know how many times at this point but as we remember 1953 joseph stalin dies and it's kind of a big deal for the USSR. 
um, the Soviet Union, whatever the hell you want to call them. They ch- they're like Prince. They've changed their name so many times. I can't keep track. Yes. Uh, <laughs> Mother, Mother Russia. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Uh, so <coughs> there were some, uh, after Stalin's death, some stuff happened. Uh, uh, and specifically in um in hungary you know or the 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 people's republic or hungarian people's republic um as it was called until 1989 now i think it's just hungary uh (laughs) i think um there was we, we we know what you're talking about yeah yeah so after stalin died there was this kind of this wave of people throughout the ussr that were like you know what that whole stalin way of doing things kind of sucked and we should stop running things the way that that guy did things Mm yeah stalinization don't know her let's try something else <laughs> stalin stalin was a dick let's just say yeah. let's just say that yeah let's just yeah. get it right out there yeah <laughs> so uh the the prime minister of hungary at the time uh rikoski ray kosi um was a devout stalinist he got kicked out and um a reformist communist by the name of uh i've heard this pronounced several different ways in watching various things so i'm not entirely sure how to pronounce this guy's last name so i'm just gonna call it looks like naggy to me which i'm sure is not how it's pronounced at all uh so uh but whatever uh so he becomes the new prime minister of Hungary. However, Rakosi doesn't just go off to like a farm somewhere and start raising sheep or something because he's no longer prime minister. He remains in the government as general secretary of the Hungarian Communist Party. And he decided <clears throat> that he was going to vote all of his time and energy to undermining this new prime minister and his government as much as possible like you do this is gonna Uh, end well yeah uh so you know we got this new prime minister and he's he's got ideas like hey austria they've decided to become politically neutral that sounds like a great idea for us maybe we'll try that and the people and the people opposed to him were like no bad idea absolutely not (laughs) so rakoski is like taking that and be like no i can use that uh (laughs) so eventually uh our 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 poor reformist prime minister um would be stripped of his office and all of his executive functions and be sacked as prime minister in april 
1956. <laughs> so, <laughs> so he didn't get to be prime minister for very long. Um, however, there were people, civilians, that were starting that that had had caught the anti-Stalinist bug and you know the this reform let's reform hungary you know the republic into to something else like they were doing things like taking the hungarian flag and uh which is just three colored stripes and a symbol and it had the communist coat of arms in the middle they just cut out the coat of arms and then just you'd have a flag with the three stripes with a big old hole cut in the middle So enough people have gotten wind that hey, this the, you know this this anti-Stalin way of thinking might be a good thing. Word gets out about Khrushchev's speech, and it starts to radiate out. Oh yes. And you describe how different people are putting different pieces together. Um, but then you're you're off doing your your research about this Ukrainian, um, and um, you find yourself in the library one day. And a little bit of history gets made. It was, it was a wonderful experience, and it happened several times. Um, I was doing research on a man named Sergei Semyonovich Uvarov, who was a minister of education under Nicholas I in the middle part of the 19th century. I was sitting in the Lenin Library, which the, the reading room is about the size of a football field an immense library with a lot of rectangular tables. And everything is very periodically, everything is very orderly and structured. And there were police around, but they never interfere. And these kids were serious about their work. And I was writing down my Uvarov information when I began to hear young Russians stand up and begin to denounce communism. This is in the Lenin Library? In the Lenin Library. I was astonished. But I did not even raise my head. I kept my head down and just began to write everything that I heard. And they were denouncing communism, Stalinism, which was okay then, but also Khrushchev, and also the corruption and the miserable living conditions. And they were just letting it out. And then other young people stood up. And then the whole place stood up. <laughs> and then they got on top of the tables and began very demonstrably to rip up copies of Pravda and throw it down on the floor. I was watching <laughs> a student rebellion. And it was a remarkable sight. Um. So this particular revolution kind of came to head when a bunch of students uh, in Budapest, uh, university students, um, decided to uh, protest. Uh, so uh, a whole bunch of them went to the building that housed Hungarian radio and uh some of them went in some of them stayed outside i'm sure to keep watch um and uh essentially we're going to 
pirates the radio station so that they could broadcast their demands. They had what was known as the 16 points. Um, and uh, they, were, they were their demands for political and economic reform. Um, and uh, unfortunately, the security guards <laughs> stopped them um, and, and detained them. So when their friends outside who had, had stayed outside to, to keep watch or whatever, um, found out that their their fellow comrades were being detained inside, they were like, well, this isn't cool and we're not getting anywhere. We demand you release our friends. Because, I mean, technically they didn't, They, I mean, they did break in, so I guess they could get them on trespassing. But it's like, other than that, it's like, hey, you know, we came here peacefully you know it's not like we came in you know beating people up to get to this you know the the radio controls they came in with a stack of papers like we want you know we want the opportunity to to voice our thing to the the people over the radio you got you got it you got to admit that took some big brass ones though Mm -hmm. yeah Mm -hmm. yeah unfortunately well their protest was fairly peaceful. The policeman from the state protection authority thought otherwise and opened fire. Oh dear. Injuring and killing several of the student protesters. Of course. See, see, Eddie t- a revo- revolution's only okay when they do it. <laughs> yeah. So and of course. The people were not going to take that lying down, so they had to retaliate by forming militias, going after members of the the AVH, as the, the which is the I don't know Hungarian, so I'm not even trying to pronounce that. They call it the AVH. It's the the state police force essentially. So the civilians started creating militias, going after AVH policemen, killing them, lynching them. it it just got messy it got messy uh you know political prisoners were getting released (laughs) um you know municipal governments were being taken over uh so the the prime minister when he was still you know while he was still prime minister went ahead and disbanded the the state police force um uh, which worked to a point um you know tried to uh be like you know just calm down we'll have well you know we're gonna have a a free election and we can do this at the polls let's let's more voting less shooting um obviously he ends up getting kicked out as prime minister so any plans he had went with him um so uh eventually uh, there was supposed to be a negotiation between the Soviet army and the 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 revolutionaries um Russia being Russia uh <laughs> was like psych and instead of withdrawing their military from hungary um they're like no we're gonna stay in fact we're gonna bring more people in 
and kill more of you until it reached its its end with 2500 hungarians and 700 soviet army soldiers dead and 200,000 hungarians seeking political refuge elsewhere so it was a short revolution mostly because the people that they were trying to free themselves from one like yeah russia is want to do so yeah so i mean eventually it it worked out but it would it's it would take a lot longer (laughs) it's gonna take a lot more time uh, it's it was one of those things it's like the ussr was so big and just had a stranglehold on everything Mm -hmm. and it took a really long time for anything to 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 loosen up at all and then Mm -hmm. once it did it was like a landslide but Mm -hmm. we'll get to that i'm sure at some point oh yeah Um, yeah so anyway but yeah if you look at all these little things that happened throughout the 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 existence of the soviet union and you're just like wow you guys you guys you know acted like you had everything under control you really didn't but it wasn't but you know anyway yay oh uh meanwhile back here in the united states <laughs> meanwhile back that for a yeah meanwhile yeah, back exactly branch, <laughs> uh our our next our next topic uh is alabama more specifically montgomery home of mm-hmm. the montgomery bus boycott yep alabama. which any I think most everybody at least knows mm-hmm. Rosa Parks. Yes. Um, um, the the you know this again this, Doctor Who. Yeah. Well, <laughs> beyond that as well, but yes, it, it's it's interesting because um, so every year our the the Children's Literature Association of Utah or CLAW as we call it, they have what's called the Beehive Awards, and there's a and these are books that are for kids that are you know the kids are going to vote on them and and. The, you know, these are going to be the best books according to the kids in Utah. Every year, we have a lot of books about World War II that get nominated. We also have a lot of books that get uh, nominated that are about the civil rights movement and a lot about the Montgomery boy, uh, bus boycott. It's like those two those two topics. It's like World War II is always the top one, but then right behind it is the civil rights movement. And it's just mm-hmm. fascinating what gets like that's fiction books, it's nonfiction, and it's, all, you know, it runs the gamut. Mm-hmm. of of certain things so it's just and i think there's i think there's one we just got the list uh, or well we got all the new ones for this year in, and i think there's one um about this topic and mm-hmm. so at least one maybe two yep on the list but uh yeah so um if you've seen the episode rosa or just you know any you know, we, we talked about this in when I was in elementary school a lot when we talked you know, we, we'd have a Martin Luther King Day and we would talk mm-hmm. about the civil rights movement and the bus boycott and Rosa Parks um, just that she would not give her seat up to a white person when she was 
legally obligated to. The, the funny thing is, and I found this out later, is that this was not the first time she had done this. Um, it was not unheard of for her to just say, no, I'm not going to um, give up my seat. But it didn't make a big deal out of it, except mm-hmm. until this, 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 this time, because there was all of this but there, there was a lot more going on around yeah, civil the, rights. The, the, yeah, yeah. The, so, the, so the civil rights movement as a whole was, yeah, was reaching kind of a a crescendo. Uh, yeah, because, it was reaching a boiling point. But for her, yeah. this was like a normal Tuesday or whatever day it was that yeah. she just it's like, no, I don't want to. And then yeah. it just blew up from there. So this wasn't yeah. the first time she had actually done this, which is fascinating to me because it's like all these things that people do that are just normal or normal to them or normal in their community. But once like the national spotlight shines on it and you're just sitting there going like, what in the world is going on? This is just my life. But all of a sudden you're being hauled off the bus for something you do all the time or, you know, you've done before and it's never been a big deal. So it's just, it's just that, that, that topic or that, factoid that i learned not that long ago that i'd always heard about rosa parks she didn't give her seat up and like and it was painted as this big massive oh she's standing up for her rights yes and no not in her mind she Mm -hmm. was just doing her thing Mm -hmm. and she was just doing something that was normal for her Mm -hmm. so it it really wasn't uh, until things kind of were starting to 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 boil at this at this point in in history which i again history is not as cut and dry as you as as you're Mm -hmm. often taught and when the policeman approached me one of them spoke and asked me if the driver had 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 asked me to stand i said yes he said why don't you stand up i said i don't think i should have to stand up and i asked him i said why do you push us around he said i do not know but the law is a law and you're under arrest there had been arrest before The black community was well organized and was now ready to respond. Leaders called for a boycott of city buses. The people wanted to continue that boycott. They had been touched by the persecution, the humiliation that many of them had endured on buses. And they voted for it unanimously. And that meant thousands of people. At regular mass rallies, the community constantly renewed its strength through song, prayer, and the encouragement of its ministers. This show is your show. Not only is this show the show of Negroes in Montgomery, but this is the show of Negroes all over America. The man they elected to help lead them was a new preacher in town, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. He was 26 years old. We are not wrong in what we are doing. If we are wrong, the Supreme Court of this nation is wrong. The Constitution of the United States is wrong. If we are wrong, 
God Almighty is wrong. Mm -hmm. But not and 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 it's and it's not like and they do touch upon this in the Doctor Who episode too. Yes, when you see her go into a meeting with with Doctor King, is yeah, she was a seamstress by trade, but it's not like she was just some random like housewife that one day decided no my feet are tired i'm not going to get up from my seat for some crazy white person right mm-hmm. she had been working with like the naacp for a long right. time right this wasn't just you know she was just this random in this you know protester protester yeah. it yeah i mean it he knew what she was doing oh yeah i mean she knew what she mm-hmm. was doing and it just had never it had never sparked anything before until mm-hmm. now because before people were just like eh, yeah okay we're, we're not gonna make a big deal out of it it's fine until now because there was a lot of upheaval and people were talking about it and and things like that so it's just it's just really interesting like all these little all these little details that lead up to these things that become big events in history and it's just a person doing what they what they what they normally do mm-hmm. because of you know just of who they are and what they stand for so i mean and i'm I'm not saying this to take away anything she did because she is amazing and she did some really great things but in the grand scheme of things you look at it it's it's a simple thing it's very simple and very very cool Mm -hmm. yeah it it was just kind of the 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 less, less little push yes to to get that because there had been boycotts in the past that never really went anywhere even mm-hmm. back in the 1800s where trains were segregated and frederick Douglass tried to enter a train car that was for white people uh, white people only and they told him to get off and he refused um and uh that led to a a civil rights act uh being written in 1875 which was supposed to grant equal rights to black citizens on public transportation and then the supreme court overturned it years later by calling it unconstitutional um there was um there was a a lawsuit um or a suit in 1946 um that segregated interstate buses violated the commerce clause um but you know find whatever you can find whatever you know loophole or whatever works um and uh that 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 was they they found that to be the case but only for interstate bus interstate commerce like interstate bus travel so local didn't apply um there was a bus boycott in baton rouge that you know made a little bit of a stir but again not enough to really change anything um the year before rosa parks i believe is the year before rosa parks did you know this particular protest in 50 you know late 55 uh, i believe it was the year before brown versus the board of education had been um 
uh, you know, the found in, in favor and that caused schools to be integrated. Um, but that did not apply to the rest of society. It was just schools. Um, so, uh, so by the time, and then we have the Emmett Till case, um, which if you know about that, you know how crappy that, that went brutal. for the, yeah. for the Till's family. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, there was a, there was a, a whole bunch of things leading up to this, uh, you know, the Emmett Till, Brammer's Board of Education, all these things. So yeah, so when Rosa made this decision on this particular day, you know, December 5th, 1955, um, it was a call to action to the NAACP and other people of the community to finally put into practice stuff that they had been working on. And that's really what helped them this time compared to the other times where people had tried to do protests and boycotts is they just weren't organized enough in a way to to actually accomplish what they wanted to accomplish this time they were prepared so when rosa got you know rosa parks got arrested they were ready to go that following monday morning with people having like a communications system set up so that people could carpool with you know because not a lot of african-american people had cars but the few that did they organized carpools um if people walked they made sure to walk in groups so that they couldn't get plucked out if they were walking on their own and potentially be harassed or even worse um so it was really well more organized this time around so when (laughs) The boycott lasted for over a year, and at the time, 75% of the people who used the the Montgomery bus system were African Americans, and suddenly you're usually essentially losing 75% of your bus fare <laughs> income. Mm-hmm. They started to take it, pay attention. It still took a while. Um, it wasn't until over a year later when Browder versus Gale was ruled on at a federal level where it was ruled that bus segregation is un- unconstitutional under the Equal Protection Clause of the 14th Amendment. Um, and then affirmed by the U.S. Supreme Court almost another year later in 1956, in November of 1956. Um, that um that really they they got what they wanted on paper unfortunately kind of like with the hungarian revolution they made some headway but they're not quite there yet but at least it's a step in the right direction yes which again you are you are uh pushing against something that has been in place 
I want to say even before the United States was was founded it just oh yeah in the world there was just you had your you're in this slot you're in this slot you're in this slot and you you like people just did not mix it just that was just how it was worldwide in Europe in Asia in Africa all these places wherever there were people people segregated America the the you know the the ideals of the ideas of you know we're all living together we all you know share these same places and these same rights and these same everything that we're equal that was a that is still a relatively new idea and it's still something that people gotta figure out Mm -hmm. it just it just is what it is and and I don't know I feel like I feel like you know when I was growing up and we would learn about these things I was like we have made so much progress and that's what we that's what we we learned and we talked about and we focused on a lot it is I mean and and I feel like it's on an individual level that you you know figure out where you are on this and what you think and and how you feel about it how you feel about other people whatever their differences are I mean we could and we won't because that's not our purview of the podcast but Mm -hmm. everyone's got their opinions on this Mm -hmm. but basically just be nice to people it's not that hard Mm -hmm. yeah Mm -hmm. follow the willing principle don't be a you know what yes (laughs) Wheaton's law don't mean yes (laughs) and you know give give each other some grace Mm because everyone exactly everybody has a bad day and you don't have Mm -hmm. to jump down anybody's throat for something Mm -hmm. for for whatever but it's it's just one of those things it's like look we're all learning we're all figuring it out we're all figuring out how to live with each other how to get along with each other we don't even have we don't have Mm -hmm. to like each other but we can respect each other my favorite it doesn't movie. matter how old we are we are all yeah. still trying to figure stuff out yes we do not yep. have it yeah. down cold yeah. one of my favorite sports movies and it has been for years is remember the titans denzel yeah. washington i mean he's phenomenal in this role and i just always remember this this line where he says you don't have to like each other but you can respect each other and yes. you know, he's telling this to the team and, you know, just everybody learning how to figure out life together in this new paradigm that they've been basically thrown into. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so that's, that's something I just kind of, I don't have it written on a, on a post-it note on my wall, but maybe I should. Because <laughs> <laughs> some people are not likable. I'm just mm-hmm. going to say that right now. <laughs> anyway. Mm-hmm. But I, I think it's it's one of these seminal moments, especially in American history. Mm-hmm. But I think it just goes to show just how significant it was. Oh, yeah. If it ends up being the basis for an episode of Doctor Who, which is a British TV show. <laughs> you know? Right. So I think that's, I think that's very cool. Oh. So all right moving on to khrushchev nikita khrushchev Khrushchev. you may know the name but why is he in this song well 
you know how I was talking about that that little revolution they tried to have in in Budapest part of what also influenced people's rise to action is um that Khrushchev again after the death of Stalin even though <laughs> even though he had kind of been involved <laughs> um, um ah, what are you doing yeah <laughs> it's like wait a minute we lost Rachel I was being real quiet and it's like mm. yeah no I don't I don't know what happened there it did it, it blipped for a second uh, yeah thankfully it was just a short blip it wasn't for five years uh <laughs> exactly yes yeah. 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 yeah really it's the russians they don't like it when we talk about them yeah <laughs> one and only time our show has been our mm-hmm. any any sort of like us posting on social media was when we talked about the uh the the Chernobyl mini yeah. yeah yeah and, and we got blocked yeah. yes yeah. <laughs> so. yeah. of course that that was before the pandemic hit and it kind of got lost in all the craziness of that yeah. and I just yeah. was like it's like you just shut up <laughs> yeah <laughs> so like anyway. is it getting is it getting too political if I say Russia you suck <laughs> Yeah, well, it depends on whether they're listening or not apparently uh behold my middle fingers yeah. <laughs> so khrushchev was all like okay you know kind of kind of kind of like uh you know our our anti-stalin prime minister of hungary was all like stalinism don't know it don't know her who what not me um but khrushchev uh being in the position that he was because he was uh first secretary of the communist party of the soviet union at the time uh decided that he needed to make a statement literally and figuratively (laughs) so the congress the, the the soviet congress had uh, their their usual daytime public session that i don't in in the soviet union how public means public uh you know but <laughs> whatever that means in the soviet union in the 1950s uh so yeah the 24th of february 1956 they had their their regular session it closed it had to formal in someone knocks a javelin on something and you know the mm. gavel or whatever and then they were like okay we're out bye see you at the next one um mm-hmm. and then they get uh all the, the delegates get this message going wait a minute you need to return to the kremlin for an additional closed session in which journalists guests and delegates from fraternal parties from outside the soviet union are not going to be invited special passes are going to be given to those who are allowed to allowed allowed to participate um along with like an additional 100 former former party members 
who had been recently released from a Soviet prison camp, uh, <laughs> were also invited because, you know, that looks good. Uh, and um, the the chairman, so they all showed up for this, this late night meeting uh, and it was late, you know, back at the Kremlin, no journalists, no guests, no nothing, just all these people like, okay, what's going on here? The chairman calls it, calls the meet this is the secret meeting to order, and gives the the yields the floor to Khrushchev, who then proceeds, who started his speech shortly after midnight on the 25th of February, proceeds to speak for the next four hours, <laughs> delivering a speech titled On the Cult of Personality and Its Consequences. <laughs> okay then yes and essentially it was this really long speech about how stalin had created and fostered himself to become the leader of this cult of personality therefore imparting his will on everyone to the point where people were essentially and some people considered brainwashed because under Stalin's rule you do not speak ill mm -hmm. of, of Stalin you don't speak ill of the party you don't you know it was you know follow the rules and you won't get hurt it doesn't matter you know even if you think something is wrong or bad or whatever don't say anything you will die yeah pretty is, much this, this is this is mother russia this is the soviet union you, um everything is wonderful here it's 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 rainbows and sunshine and no we're not going to shoot anybody why would you think that gulags don't know no, no, never no. heard of it yeah gulag was that new soup yeah Yes. Yeah. Is, is, is mother experimenting in the kitchen kitchen again i would mm -hmm. yeah. gulag does that come with bread uh <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah you, you, you look you look at all this you know unwillingness to confront the problems and mm -hmm. the issues and what the people were actually going through and just you know you, you it, it is it is remarkable that the soviet union lasted as long as it did and only mm -hmm. until and only when they finally said oh yeah uh this all sucks and we really have a lot of problems did they find that then people were like yeah we hate it it's too late we're we're collapsing mm -hmm. <laughs> that's that's the that's the short version but yes every yeah. every time every time we talk about these guys and they're like now nah, the the old guys suck but i'm totally gonna be better promise yeah. pinky swear and no no you really <laughs> weren't you really <laughs> weren't honey yeah just 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 stop yeah yeah so uh, apparently this speech was so shocking <laughs> to the people listening to khrushchev speak that there are reports of people supposedly suffering heart attacks wow people fainting people vomiting people offing themselves after the fact 
because I guess Khrushchev went into detail of Stalin's use of like terror, you know, all the all the nasty evil things he did while he was in power to maintain his grip on his subjects, the people. Yeah. Um the thing is this speech was supposed to be secret you know you can google it it's something some people refer it to khrushchev's secret speech yeah. um and uh of course even in even in mother russia nothing secret can ever really stay secret um, right and uh within months parts of the some of the text and the details of the text were in play in being printed in things like the new york times <laughs> um yeah so uh yeah like reuters got a hold of it like really quickly after <laughs> uh within hours <laughs> um so, uh, of course, the Russians have kept a lid on it, kept a lid on it for a while. It, it eventually, the entire thing did get printed, I think, in like 89, 1989. So, but yeah, this was, this was, this was a thing. Uh, <laughs> that, uh, yep. Yeah once a word got out because it did not stay secret uh the the and the public caught wind it was also one of those things that helped spur revolutions and protests and things mm -hmm. like the hungarian revolution that this was definitely part partly responsible for that So, but yeah, nothing, nothing like spending a whole day, you know, if you're, you're a Soviet, you know, congressman or whatever, and you're like full day of all the pomp and whatever that comes with a regular session. You're like, okay, I'm going to go home. I'm going to have some borscht and, you know, some vodka and I'm going to go sleep for however long, you know, and then this, all of a sudden you're getting a telegram or whatever you have someone knocking on your door going sir you need to come back to the kremlin and then proceed to get spoken to for four hours in the middle of the night <laughs> sounds like a party yeah really mm -hmm. that's where the party in the ussr mm -hmm. uh <laughs> come come listen to your new dear leader talk smack about the old dear leader mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah yeah pretty much so. if, yeah if you didn't think our your old leader was bad he is how bad he actually was mm -hmm. <laughs> like you want skeletons in the closet baby i got a whole morgue we've got a uh, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> torture bribes you name it i got it <laughs> we pull him back the curtain this yeah yeah but you know that's just the man behind the iron curtain <laughs> too late 
<laughs> yeah, you're stuck here now. Oh. Anyway. <laughs> uh, moving back to the United States, at least for a little bit. Um, Princess Grace. Princess Grace. Mm-hmm. Or as we knew her before, Grace Kelly. Mm-hmm. The American actress who kind of like Bardo had a, a, a very successful career and then gave it up uh, to do other things. So um, Grace Patricia Kelly, born in 1929 um, to a very well off <laughs> family in Philadelphia. Uh, she was not hurting even as a kid and um she uh attended the american academy of dramatic arts in new york and um did quite a bit of stage acting um for quite a quite a number of years you know cutting her cutting her teeth on the stage um and um she ended up getting you know discovered uh by folks in the movie industry and got her first small screen you know movie picture role in the film 14 hours which was a 20th century fox film done in 1951 um and um it starred um i don't actually i don't know any of these people uh (laughs) but one of her co-stars um paul douglas um said uh after the fact when i guess somebody asked him about you know working with working with grace kelly and he said and i love this in two senses she did not have a bad side you could film her from any angle. And she was one of the most untemperamental cooperative people in the business. <laughs> I just love that. Yep. Yep. Um, and even though it was a small role, uh, her, her a Grace Kelly fan club was established and got very popular, actually. <laughs> and she found it terrifically amusing. <laughs> um uh but while she was working on 14 hours um she got noticed by super duper gary cooper who happened to be visiting and um i I don't know how much of that influence i'm sure it had some influence to her getting her role co-starring opposite gary cooper in fred zinnemann's high noon um which she would end up doing in 1952 um which period piece middle of summer very layered victorian style dress it's quite 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 warm uh i'm sure (laughs) but she was a trooper and did it uh movie won four academy awards uh so um it was a uh, good for her um 
and then uh so but her critics weren't too enthralled by her uh, so she ended up doing some private acting lessons um did some more theater did some tv stuff tv plays um and um eventually she uh did the film um well she she did um the the film uh mogambo uh (laughs) which was filmed in nairobi in kenya and (laughs) she said uh mogambo had three things that interested me john ford clark gable and a trip to africa with expenses paid (laughs) if mogambo had been made in arizona i wouldn't have done it you know she's honest about why she why she makes the decision she did yeah (laughs) which you know i can't really blame her yeah right it's like if i was going to to uh, to another country and someone's gonna pay for it i'd totally go Mm -hmm. yeah um and the the costumes on that particular movie were designed by helen rose remember that name she's gonna be important uh so um she uh, uh eventually um worked her way into doing uh, a few hitchcock movies um like uh dial m for murder and uh to catch a thief or one of my personal favorites rear window <laughs> love that movie me too so good if you haven't seen it you totally need to pick it up yes mm-hmm. yeah um and then she did the movie uh the country girl uh opposite bing crosby um and william holden and that's where she won uh her uh, academy award for best actress was um grace kelly for the country This moment keeps me from saying what I really feel. I can only say thank you with all my heart to all who made this possible for me. Thank you. For for that particular film. So she won that. Well, she did the film in 54. Obviously, the award ceremony was in 55. Um, So... So 1954, good year for 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 Grace Kelly. Um, so, <clears throat> so 
um she did um yeah of course yeah, she kept working um and um she ended up leading heading the u.s delegation at the Cannes film festival in april of 1955 now if you know anything about Cannes, it's held in france you know what else is 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 geographically close to france monaco uh-huh. so a certain prince yep so <laughs> while she was at Cannes, uh through some okay, okay so th- i watched this youtube video <laughs> i haven't actually really found much to substantiate it but considering the way that seemingly the 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 elite, the wealthy, the you know, the one percent tend to do things when it comes to socializing and people meeting people. Um it, it has a sense of plausibility to it. So supposedly she was invited to um the palace of Mon- you know, in monaco for a photo session now this youtube video i watched claimed that a certain billionaire whose last name you probably recognize because of his own famous marriage that would occur later by the name of onassis who Mm -hmm. is friends with said prince um thought it was time for said prince and his good friend to settle down and uh on top of that but he couldn't just marry anybody because unfortunately monaco was really hurting after world war ii because you know being geographically as you know being essentially attached to france and how much france was destroyed (laughs) by the nazis uh during world war ii so you know monaco got some of that and monaco is actually the second smallest recognized i don't necessarily country is not the right word but kind of like next it, it to, is well it's like a principality i guess would yeah be more i mean they 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 rule themselves but yeah it's mm. reckon it's recognized as a, as a ruling state which rules itself but it's very very small it's second smallest to vatican city yeah <laughs> vatican city like, being the smallest like independently it, it, like ruled mm-hmm entity yeah if you remember or i don't know maybe this was just me in sixth grade in geography we went through and studied each of the european countries individually for like well not really a week but for for like a day or a couple days or so and i just remembered learning about all these teeny tiny little countries that were just on the borders of places Mm -hmm. like there was andorra Mm -hmm. and luxembourg and monaco and you know vatican city and i'm like 
who knew that, that, that Europe had all these just these teeny tiny little countries mm-hmm. and then Monaco is one of them mm-hmm. like you have all these very large countries like France and Germany people get together and they're frustrated with where they live so they're like okay we're gonna draw a border right here we're gonna plant a little flag and be like I'm uh <laughs> i claim my own independence yes exactly we don't like the way you're doing things we can do it better so here we go so mm-hmm. there you go and monaco's right on the coast so of mm-hmm. course they 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 get quite a bit of of definitely tourist money because who want, who doesn't want to go like hang out on the coast they do now is the thing is they weren't really at the time they well, weren't right. necessarily considered a the you know the hot spot the, the French right. Riviera where all the pe- all the glamorous people went to hang out, but Mister Onassis thought that if his good friend the prince married the right woman, that it would that become would glamorous and awesome. Yes. And- yeah, so he decided to play a little matchmaking, mm-hmm. and supposedly he's the one that got. Grace Kelly, the he got he for somehow he he got his eyes fixed on Grace Kelly and like she's perfect, and got her the invite to the photo session at the palace. Unfortunately, the prince ended up arriving very very late, and Grace almost left before he got there, and they might have oh never met. Oh no! <laughs> oh boy! And I bet uh, you but, he was trying to stall as best he could, too. Uh, and who knows? Uh, <laughs> but they did eventually meet. Um, and they ended up together. They they were, you know, they 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 courted for a year. Um, and after what is described as a good deal of rational appraisal on both sides, they decided to get married. <laughs> which they are they are it sounds kind of ridiculous to us plebeians but when you're royalty it's a little different unfortunately Uh yes you you can't fancy way of saying a big list of pros and cons yes (laughs) yeah however there are there are some 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 images and you know pictures of them like you guys are actually kind of cute together yeah Mm -hmm. yeah so she did her final movie high society which and it's actually a remake of the philadelphia story which i love the philadelphia story uh Mm -hmm. i kind of want to watch high society just to see because apparently high society is a musical so it's like a mu- it's not just a straight up remake it's a musical remake so maybe i might like it but as much as i love the philadelphia story i'm like do i want to like because i might hate you i might like you i may be indifferent we'll see uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh so yeah she did her final film and then she's like hey let's uh let's get hitched baby um so uh, they did actually twice, technically, because of um, because of the rule, you know, the laws of Monaco, plus the rules of the Catholic Church. They had to have a civil ceremony and then a religious ceremony. Uh, so they had the civil civil ceremony first. It was the whole 
16 minutes uh, in the, the palace throne room on April 18th, 1956. And then they had a reception later that day that was attended by 3,000 people. Um, at the she uh, now Princess Grace uh, acquired 142 official titles. Uh, that's why the ceremony took 16 minutes because they all had to be formally recited apparently sounds like it yeah um <laughs> and then the big grand catholic ceremony the which we have all i most most people have seen images of a grace kelly's wedding dress is iconic created by helen rose there you go um, <laughs> oh um and uh yeah so then they have the 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 church catholic ceremony the next day um and then they went on their seven week mediterranean honeymoon cruise on the royal yacht nice <laughs> and then almost nine months to the day she gave birth to their first child <laughs> didn't waste any time Nope. nope festival honeymoon <laughs> uh so that was princess caroline um and then they had she, they had prince albert in 1958 and then princess stephanie was born in 1965 um so obviously she gave up her acting career and became full-time princess uh mm -hmm. doing a lot of philanthropic work uh she became president of the red cross of monaco um she became patron of uh, rainbow coalition children which is an orphanage um should they held she would host an annual christmas celebration for orphan children uh she was president of the garden club uh president of the uh the organizing committee of the international arts foundation so all of the things that we are used to saying people of royalty do um so um she founded an organization to help uh the vietnamese children uh who were affected by the vietnam war uh and all the, the stuff going on there um so she created the princess grace foundation to support um artists local artists um so she she did all sorts of, of things that occasionally someone would come along and try to get her to come back to, to Hollywood and actually Alfred Hitchcock kind of got the closest. Um, he wanted her to play the lead in this film, Marnie, and she actually wanted to do it. But I guess when people found out that she would be playing a kleptomaniac. Oh, my. <laughs> she changed her mind. I was like, no, sorry. Sorry, Alfred. Got to pass. Uh, she did do some like readings that are recorded. Uh, she has some like poetry readings on the stage. She helped narrate a documentary. Um, so that uh, some other TV narration. So she didn't completely remove herself from performing arts, but not to the extent of what she she did before she she married the prince. Um, and then uh, I think uh, most people are aware that unfortunately she died 
tragically young um, at the age of 52 uh, in 1982 after she was driving back to Monaco from their country home. It was her and her her their, their her youngest kid, uh, Stephanie, who was a teenager at the time. Um, and she suffered a, a cerebral hem- hemorrhage while driving, which caused her to lose control mm-hmm. of her car and drive off the side of a mountain mm. crash going down about 120 feet um, over the side of a mountain so stephanie was very fortunate that she only suffered a light concussion and a hair lighting fracture of her cervical vertebrae um, wow. although she still ended up having to be hospitalized long enough that she missed her mother's funeral unfortunately uh, because princess grace was very very severely injured with injuries to her brain um broken bones um and the and the like um and she she ended up dying passing away of her of her injuries the the next evening princess grace of monaco grace kelly has died she died in a monaco hospital tonight with her husband prince renier and her three children beside her A hospital and palace spokesman have said only, unfortunately, it was true that she died of vascular and cerebral hemorrhage. And the suspicion is that that is the result, or that is the complication of the result of injury suffered in a car accident in southern France on Monday. You may recall that Princess Grace and her youngest daughter Stephanie were driving on a mountainous road in southern France when their car went out of control. It is believed the brakes failed. The car turned over and Princess Grace suffered multiple fractures. Died in a Monaco hospital tonight of complications as the result of an accident um so uh she was buried in the the family vault uh the 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 royal family vault um the 400 people attended her funeral including people that she knew from hollywood like carrie grant nancy reagan diana princess diana even attended um and uh, uh the prince never did remarried and uh was buried alongside her after he died in 2005 so it was a she lit she got to to kind of live the you know the the kind of the hollywood princess tale you know good good girl done good marries a prince gets to become a princess and live the life of but i mean she came from money so it's not like she was it's not small town girl from nowhere usa it's not as upper class marrying a more upper class yeah it's like it's not like cinderella per se but you know it is it is fascinating yeah it Mm -hmm. it is it is a it's a yeah despite her unfortunate you know early passing Mm -hmm. it's it's a it's a a lovely story you know all things considering considering uh, how much royal marriages tend to get (laughs) tend to be a hot mess sometimes Uh, (laughs) Mm -hmm. so all right well speaking of hot messes uh paint the place <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh <laughs>
which I mean, is a I, book, a novel that was released in 1956, uh, written by American author Grace Metallius. Um, and the name Paint and Places kind of just becomes synonymous with soap opera type storytelling, essentially. Um, and uh, I've not read the book really have no desire to read the book i did see the 1957 movie though peyton place The town everyone's talking about. All the people of Peyton Place, with all their joys and sorrows, passions and compassions, are on the screen at last. I'm going to tell you a hard truth about yourself. It isn't sex you're afraid of. You can say yes or no to that. It's love. That's what you can't handle. There's a place I know that I'd like to show you that no one knows about, not even you. It's my secret place. Uh, I knew every spot within three miles of Peyton Place. I never knew this place was here. I don't think anybody does but me. And maybe God. And now you. What'd you whistle for? Just saw a young fella and a girl in swimming without a stitch on. Where? They got out of the water and ran into the woods. Naked? Naked. You really want to kiss me, don't you? Oh, I do, I. Tell me how much. Video. Tell me. Selena. You've got to call the state police. No. No, I can't. You've got to. Here is Constance McKenzie, as played by Lana Turner. Selena Cross, played by Hope Lang. Michael Rossi, played by Lee Phillips. Doc Swain, played by Lloyd Nolan. Alison McKenzie, played by the most amazing star discovery of the year, Diane Barcy. Lucas Cross, played by Arthur Kennedy. Norman Page, played by Russ Tamblin. Betty Anderson, played by Terry Moore. With Barry Coe as Rodney. David Nelson as Ted Carter. Betty Field as Nellie. Mildred Dunnick as Mrs. Thornton. Leon Ames as Harrington. Which that was enough. By the time the movie was over, I'm like, these people's lives are so screwed up. It's just a hot mess. It is an absolute hot mess. I mean, again, content warning here. I mean, it's got abortion, rape, murder, adultery, you know, you name it. <laughs> It's incest, all, all, all the things. I mean, it it's, is. It's Game of Thrones in New without England. the dragons, without the dragons, <laughs> right? Dragons, yeah. So. 
Yeah, in small town New England, some you know, <laughs> it's never it's never explicitly detailed where exactly Peyton Place is supposed to, but there's enough information given that it's somewhere in the New Hampshire, Verm, you know, type area, New England. So, um, but yeah, it was despite <laughs> or because of the taboo themes and you know instances that occur in in the novel um it became very popular it sold 60,000 copies within the first 10 days of its release it remained on the new york times bestseller list for 59 weeks yeah, uh, I mean, and has been adapted a number of times. <laughs> this Both this book in film and television. Yeah. yeah, I mean, this book was kind of like one of those like, oh my gosh, it's so horrible, so awful, so scandalous. We gotta go. I read must it. read it. It's it's like you know uh -huh. when, 50, when Fifty Shades of Grey was such a big thing, and it was like everybody was reading it, but nobody would admit to it oh yeah yeah there's and, there's but, stories of, of but, people supposedly like uh like making like secret pockets in their coat <laughs> so that they could carry it around but not risk somebody you see it's like no i'm not reading it not at all or, or, or getting one of those cloth little book holders that have the <laughs> handles on it that you yeah. couldn't see what was what the cover was to protect it or, or in some, put, yeah put, i know what you're a, reading put, put a butcher put butcher paper over it you know yeah. or yeah. or you know in a in in extreme measures you take the cover off your bible and like cover it or it would have to be a bible that was like very well worn and well loved and falling trying starting to fall apart so it was gonna fall yeah. apart anyway okay. but we're gonna like tuck it in there reduce and... reuse recycle exactly yeah. yes oh, no. kindles yes. weren't invented yet <laughs> yeah. exactly so, so yeah it's 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 one of those you know to put it in in modern context i mean i i mean i've i've looked in this i also have not read this book i don't want to and i but yeah. sometimes i think okay you know 1956 it's scandalous for that time but how bad, how bad could, it, could really it be, be? have i read right. worse i'm like actually no <laughs> probably <Yeah>. not <laughs> so it's just one of those yeah yeah scandalous in any sense any decade yeah yeah but you know it it was it had like it had the, the two feature films uh, the first one being released the year after the move the the book had been released so the book was released in 56 got the first movie in 57 that's the, the one i've seen um which um uh, has uh folks like lana turner in it um 
and uh, then there was a, a follow-up called Return to Fate and Place, released in 1961. And then it went on to be essentially a, a, a soap opera on American TV, off and on from 1964 to 1974. And yeah, how uh, sometimes you got to cut your teeth in in soap operas uh it you know in the uk they have theirs and we have ours here um and you've got people like mia farrow and ryan (laughs) o'neill who were on it in when it was on in the 60s they had to they had to incorporate mia farrow's haircut from rosemary's baby into oh the gosh. plot and paint in place to explain why her character now had really short hair. <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. yeah the, the most recent recent adaptation was Paint and Place The Next Generation, which was done in 1985. It was a made-for-TV <laughs> film. <clears throat> with folks like Barbara Perkins. <laughs> so. I'm sorry, but every time I hear something with Next Generation, I think of Star Trek and I'm like, I'm just... I know. Yeah. I know. <laughs> My brain is not... Yeah. Walking. <laughs> yeah, oh, so, boy. I mean... You can... I, I can't speak for the 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 TV, you know. Um, soap opera, like I said, the 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 nineteen fifty seven movie. I mean, it's okay, but it's just it's so it's just so melodramatic. <laughs> it is just like it's kind of hard to take seriously. It's like I know some of this stuff does happen in real life. That's I mean that's what she mm-hmm. based the story on was either stuff that she had either had happen to or people that she knew, and yeah. just took the worst of it and was like, "This is going to happen to all these people in this one little town all at once." But it's just it's it's it, it it's a soap opera. It is very yeah. much a soap. Opera so melodramatic that it, it's kind of hard to take seriously mm-hmm. yeah but, it's yeah. it's yeah so some I, of this stuff it's like yeah this stuff happens maybe not all all together at the same time yeah but yeah so it's 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 kind of ridiculous so <laughs> but it's a thing uh, so. mm-hmm. all right well i'm gonna finish up here because this is really the way that all podcasts should end with trouble in the suez, trouble in the suez. oh boy <laughs> as in the suez canal yes <laughs> right so, yes you know if we didn't yeah. have enough it, it, you know, it, it and guess what Soviet Union gets involved. Oh my! Oh, my shocked face. Surprise. Surprise. Yeah, just look at my look at look at my, cue the uh, Iago clip. Uh, <laughs> I'm gonna have a heart attack and die from that surprise. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
That was my best Gilbert Gottfried impersonation. Yeah. It works. It works, Chrissy. It works. <laughs> oh, yeah. so anyway, yeah. so this so this this, this Charlie like, Foxtrot. <laughs> yes. Again, kind of a short, short incident, but significant enough. It only lasted a little over a week. <laughs> one week and two days went from 29th of october to the 7th yeah. of november 1956 <laughs> uh but you've got uh the the suez canal which is located in the gaza strip area um and uh technically is part of egypt <laughs> Mm -hmm. um even though it was built by the egyptians and the french they they helped pay for it Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. but it was owned and operated by the universal company of the suez maritime canal which was an egyptian company and the area surrounding the canal it was part of sovereign Egyptian territory and also happened to be the only land bridge between Africa and Asia. Now, during the world wars, this was a very handy thing to have mm-hmm. as far as getting troops and munitions to one part of the globe to another <laughs> and and remember britain had you know its colony in uh you know india and mm-hmm. australia mm-hmm. and i know i'm forgetting a few but india was the main one yes india so, india was the crown jewel yes 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 at so the, at, at the time they didn't so. name a trading company in africa for nothing nope. <laughs> no no so yeah so the suez canal was very important to britain because it cut the time sailing to india so much shorter than having to go all the way around africa and that way so mm-hmm. which is why and they had so, a- yeah. yeah so you'd have all these 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 countries or you know aren't mil- you know military organizations or whatever uh yeah they'd show up and be like we would like to use the canal please and uh a guy that we have talked about before recently so, you know before on the in in this particular uh strain nasser uh <laughs> uh who was now in charge the head honcho in egypt uh decided that nationalizing the company would be a great idea uh because the 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 canal had had changed hands several times since its construction in the 1800s um but uh yeah nasser was like well nationalize it instead of having it owned primarily by shareholders because then that means the people of egypt will make some money off of it so whenever uh, a boat comes along it's like we'd like to use our canal please and the canal company can be like okay your fee is this amount and then they pay it and then the egyptian people will be like yay money um thank you mr nasser for the money <laughs> um but because of 
where it is geographically um israel decided that um that uh well among other things um they were like uh well after the war egypt and britain were their relationship was strange (laughs) a little bit yeah because there was a coup a few years before um and um there was an agreement to terminate british rule in sudan um and you know the 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 britain was all like you know this part of country is kind of cool you know it's ours we like it we're gonna keep it and then wars happened and then the countries were like yeah we don't want to be part of britain anymore we want to be our own people hence things like the the partition in mm-hmm. in, in india now we ended up with india and pakistan um uh but um in the process <laughs> the egyptians particularly the the uh the leadership nasser uh was starting to get uh, on the nerves of some of the neighboring countries like um iraq and israel <laughs> um and uh meanwhile nasser is you know on the horn with eisenhower being like dude we need guns and tanks and shit like that because you did them yesterday he, yeah because <laughs> yeah. peace in the middle peace in the middle east not happening you know no nope. the, the, the the uh creation of a jewish state not going over well with p- some people and like dude we need some we need some stuff to protect ourselves and eisenhower first was all like yeah, we might be a do that maybe maybe not and then i said i was like no no we're not what we can do though is help you build a dam that was going to do something and uh nasa was like a dam well uh, maybe that i don't know how that's going to help but whatever bro um (laughs) and at least at least you're coming up with with ideas yeah um in the meantime he he's so like okay we we still need guns and crap like that like what are we gonna do hello soviet russia you know soviet union hello mr khrushchev uh <laughs> <laughs> we get some we of need- those big big things that go boom we need so that we need those yes. this is big thing. we need those things that go boom um and the soviet you know, union is like sure but don't call us with this direct number use this other number that goes through czechoslovakia oh gosh <laughs> i we said this was a charlie Fox <laughs> like 
Don't call us directly in this network. Call Czechoslovakia. Just call Czechoslovakia. <laughs> give them, you know, give them the passphrase, and we'll get you hooked. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Don't call so us. Then Nasser was going around like, "Word, we're getting some stuff that goes boom," and people were like, "Great, where?" From the Russians and uh, places like the United States and Israel and 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 even China were like, "Wait, what? That ain't cool." <laughs> This could be very, very dangerous. <laughs> this is going to end poorly. Hence the, yeah. the skirmish. It's that a bad idea. <laughs> hence the skirmish that would ensue for the next week and two days. Oh, boy. But it was, I, it, it's, I mean, at this point, you know, we've got the 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 Soviet bloc, you know, which we've talked about that, that's that already come up in the lyrics, communist bloc. We're getting, you know, the Cold War, you know, for lack of puns, is heating up. Um, <laughs> you know, we've got the Iron Curtain, you know, just post-World War II and things like the death of Stalin, just kind of this part of the world is just really, it's been through a blender. And it Pretty doesn't, much. it doesn't, uh, you, you know how, like, if you're one of those, you know, if, well, we don't have it anymore because Chauncey moved it. But you know how you get uh, like your Christmas lights? Mm-hmm. You mm-hmm. put them in storage and then you go to get them out when the season hits. And they're all and tangled they're, up. They're just tangled up in a big old knot. And you're like, I have no idea how yep. I'm going to undo this this Charlie Foxtrot of a mess yep. this was kind of pretty much like the middle eastern part and parts of europe <laughs> in this time period <laughs> and people were just like what do we do i mean you know it's cut it doesn't seem like it's necessarily that big a deal it's kind of a big deal when you know that china is calling up the united states like yo we're we're worried about what's going on over in Egypt oh, at the moment. So. It's like you wanna you wanna step in and you know maybe yeah. do a couple do a thing and then stop this from getting really bad. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh yeah. Yeah. So okay. thankfully the 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 conflict did not last very long. Oh, and we we're able to to get everybody to take a few steps back um and you know because it's like yeah you get people the again the 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 cold war nukes are on everybody's minds because again Mm -hmm. end of world war ii we saw what happened in japan now that we know that that's a thing that could happen (laughs) anytime there's a kerfuffle it's like People let's like, not yeah let's 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 try to stop before the nuclear option becomes the only option Oof, yeah <clears throat> yeah so eventually the people got together and started you know putting stuff to pen to paper and um obviously nobody got nuked so thank goodness that's a good, a good thing. thing that's always I know, a good all these thing. all these little oh i say little but all these 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 little skirmishes i want to say um 
that you're like, oh gosh, this could have ended so badly. And I yeah. can only imagine living during this time period. I mean, thank goodness they didn't have the internet or Twitter because everybody would be freaking out even more than they already were. Yeah. Because, mm-hmm. yeah. Maybe that's why we, maybe that's why we don't have any like really good rock and roll music because back then they were like, hey, yeah, Russians are so far away. Let me go listen to Elvis. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or Buddy Holly, or you know, yeah, who, yeah, whatever else, and you know, yeah. So obviously, that part of the world still on shaky ground. Yeah. <laughs> You'll hear things, you know, if you watch the when, news. When uh, is it not? <laughs> yeah, you may, you may, you may hear things like the Gaza Strip get brought up every now and then, mm-hmm. uh, mm-hmm. but nobody's still gone nuclear, so that's we're gonna take that as a win yes yes at this point yeah you're talking about this time period you're like well nobody got nuked so take the win yeah right yeah meanwhile you know uh and then you know almost almost Mm -hmm. 70 years later um we can uh instead of looking you know we can um look back at more well i mean it wasn't it wasn't necessarily a good thing but slightly less disconcerting as a potential nuclear war almost 70 years later uh, a a container ship gets stuck (laughs) yeah it was it was funny i was looking this up and wikipedia is like not to be confused by when by by the obstruction in yeah in like that 20, other 21. issue in the Suez trouble in the Suez Canal in 1956 potential nuclear war trouble in the Suez Canal 2020 2021 they, your supply ever, chain ever, evergreen G class container ship yeah your supply yes. chain gets completely borked yes <laughs> which yes. it already is because of the unknown virus unspecified virus of unknown origin uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. so you know we're just we're just having a fun time over here and now i think we're getting a little punchy <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> yep <laughs> so there but we that's go. where we're at with the 1956 so. yeah there's 1956 now everyone go home and get a drink because holy yeah. crap mm-hmm. i mean at least we had a princess in there and it was nice and cute and, and pretty but holy crap mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> anyway well, uh, if any of our listeners, I would say it's going to get better, but no, yeah. no. Uh, Unfortunately, I... the Cold War lasts for a while. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, I, I know I'm like skipping ahead here, but you know that final lyric in the song where, it, it, like, when they're in 1989, he goes, "I can't take it anymore." Can't I'm like, anymore. Yeah, yeah, I can tell. We're right there with you. It's yeah. like I, I we have but, a ways to go before we get to that. Though, well, though. I know, but I'm like, I'm sitting yeah. here. I'm sitting here in 2022 looking at this. I'm like, let me sing you the song of my people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, goodness. But anyway, if any of our listeners want to chime in with their feedback on anything we've discussed in this episode, could be from our, our, our We Didn't Start the Fire lyrics to anything we talked about news and feedback and, and such, uh, you can send us some feedback of your own. Our email address is fiveishfangirls at gmail.com. You can also visit our website, which is thefiveishfangirls.com. And there we, you will find links to all of our social media. You can leave comments on our 
on our posts. Um, you can get to, to our YouTube channel and leave comments there as well. Uh, find places to download the podcast, which we are pretty much everywhere you find podcasts. So whatever your favorite podcast listening platform is, we're there. And you can also, uh, we ask that uh, we appreciate any support financially that you can give us. We have Patreon, we have a Kofi, and we have uh, a merch shop. It's like, what was that other one? Mm-hmm. Yes. So there's there's several. There's, we got stuff, man. Yeah, I'm <laughs> I'm I'm a little loopy from from all of this commies and yeah. and nukes. Um, but anyway, so yeah, that's it. And as always, we thank you for listening. We thank you for for your support, your uh, interactions with us online. Um, and if you've made it this far, bless you. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and we're just, we're glad that you're out there and hope you are enjoying the chaos. Mm. And now I need to go watch something that, that has nothing to do with, with, with the Russians. Communism. <laughs> Someone else, yeah. you know, poking so You're saying you're not going to be watching uh, last season of Stranger Things is what you're saying. Uh, oh, I already watched this season that. of Stranger Things. I already watched that. <laughs> I know. So I might. Again, I might. I might go watch. You're trying to like, avoid Russians, avoid Stranger Things for a while. Yeah, this is true. Although uh, I, I'm still bummed that I missed reviewing it with you guys because I, I forgot to say, or I never got to say that Eddie reminds me of a young Brian May. Yes. With the Ooh, hair. Oh yeah. Yes. Yeah. And then I found mm-hmm. out he's British. I'm like, well, of course. Well, the actor. Of, of course, course he is. <laughs> and I'm like, why did you kill him off? He was amazing. Duffer Brothers, I hate you. Because mm-hmm. you keep killing off my favorites. Well, hey, you can always, you can think that when he's like, this is for you, Chris, he's talking to you. I know. I got all fuzzy about that. I love that. <laughs> I, I was also mad that they killed Chrissy off. I was like, yeah. come on. The you, became, other... you became a meme there for I a while. Did. I did. I did. I was very, I was very happy about that. The only Chrissy who spells her name the way I do, uh, the only other one is the girl from now and then if you ever watched that movie from the 90s that mm-hmm. is like you know it has the, the younger girls are like living in the 70s and she's like you know and then they then they're like the older women who have flashbacks to their childhood and whatever and she's like the really naive dorky one and i'm like oh of course she is because that's just my luck but then i got <laughs> oh this is cute cheerleader who's kind of having a hard time and she turns to the local metalhead who's also you know a little bit of a drug dealer but you know we love him anyway because he's charming and sweet and and then she gets killed by by not Voldemort mm-hmm. I'm like really yeah. really the other he who shall not be named yes yes so I was like oh but they're so sweet together oh okay fine well maybe they're maybe they're new character like, new characters I like you, head tilt. You're gonna die, aren't you? Yeah, maybe they're off like having milkshakes in the in the afterlife. I'm writing that as canon Mm because I liked Eddie. And my Stranger Things counterpart could could go (laughs) hang out with him. I was never a cheerleader. I was always playing basketball, but but yeah, I liked her and I felt (laughs) bad for her because her boyfriend was a dick Mm -hmm. in every sense Mm -hmm. of the word. Yes. 
And I still don't understand why everybody just blindly followed him. I'm like, come on, guys. I mean, I know. Yeah. Anyway, I'm getting off on a tangent because I never got to review this. <laughs> I know. And it was all because we'd moved and I didn't have internet yet. And I was yeah. so pissed. I'm sorry. Anyway, we should probably sign off before our listeners really get, get peeved at us. <laughs> please stick around Aaron uh, <laughs> you made it this far uh, I'm blaming the commies yeah I'm not usually this loopy oh bye all right well with that before we get canceled by the mother Russia uh, I'm still extending my middle fingers to you yeah we will uh, I'll, I'll really get us in trouble anyway sign us off Sign off for this week. This is Brittany Bojo saying goodnight. This is Grizzy saying goodnight from Salt Lake City. This is Holly from Wisconsin saying good evening. And this is Rachel in Indianapolis, Indiana. Do, do, I, do I need to get like the embassy on speed dial? <laughs> nah, we'll be fine. <laughs> okay. Nah, it'll be fine. Listening to the Five Ish Fangirls podcast. You can find more episodes and information at thefiveishfangirls.com. Any and all books, movies, games, and any other forms of media mentioned are owned and operated by the respective copyright holders. No copyright infringement is intended or implied. If you wish to support the show, the easiest way is to leave us a rating and review. More ratings and reviews will make it easier for others to find the show. If you wish to support us monetarily, you can do so at patreon.com slash fiveishfangirlspodcast. All money goes towards fees and equipment to keep the show going. For official Fiveish Fangirls merchandise, visit redbubble.com slash people slash fiveishfangirls. We love hearing from our listeners and encourage feedback. You can email us at fiveishfangirls at gmail.com. You can also like and follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash fiveishfangirls. Thank you so much for listening and may the squee be with you. Strange land, Dillon, Berlin, Bay, and Pigs and Bay.
Can't take it.